like that. You want to try that. Welcome to one of the very, very rare episodes of the Logan Blackman Show. Hello on this beautiful Saturday morning. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I could be be wrong, but I don't remember the last time, if ever, that we recorded an episode for a Saturday. I know I've recorded episodes on Saturday, but I've never recorded a show for Saturday. It's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of weird. It, like you have this set schedule in your head of Monday, Wednesday, Friday. All it's like you got a day in between each show. Like it works out beautifully. And then there's some things that happen that make it harder to record a show. So let me tell you what was going on when I was trying to record this show for Friday. So I recorded about a half hour of the Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show. So this is this is all new. I deleted the 30 minutes that we had. I didn't like where the show was going anyways. So it turned out to work really maybe it was God just telling me, "Hey, we should restart this show and just have it for Saturday." And for those of you wondering why I'm doing this for Saturdays because college football really starts this weekend. I know we had week 0 action. We had some decent enough games week 0. We had some games take place on Thursday. We had Pitt beat West Virginia. We had a we had some good games. Penn State versus Purdue was a good game as well. But the real week of college football, especially here in the state of Iowa, starts this Saturday. So today, for you, September third, we've got Iowa taking on South Dakota State. We got Iowa taking on Iowa State taking on Southeast Missouri State, and you and I taking on Air Force. Now, I was going through the full preview that we had, and it was about I don't know five thirty, six o'clock, somewhere around there. When we started recording, and then I get close to like 6.30 something, and then I get an update from CenturyLink, my internet provider, saying, hey, uh, our billing system is down, so you cannot pay your internet, which means, guess what? You don't get internet anymore. And you know what conveniently, what happened conveniently during that time? Their phones, they don't pick up their phones past 6. So I couldn't get internet last night. So I was recording about halfway, I was about 30 minutes into the show, and then all the links that I had open just decided to stop working. ESPN, the UNI Panthers website, Sporkle, we were going to do a quiz, my Google Drive, all of it stopped working. And I was like, what What the hell is going on? And I, I could use my internet hotspot on my phone, which I have done before, but it's one of those things where you're recording for a half hour and then something like that happens it just deletes your entire drive to actually do something like that. It doesn't really take a lot for that. But if you're if you're already questioning or thinking that this show or this whatever is not the best that it could be, and then you have something like that take place to where you can't record anymore, or you can, but you can't look up anything anymore, then it's like, okay, we're just not going to record a show. So I spent like a half the next half hour to hour trying to figure out how I can get my internet back up. I tried CenturyLink's website. The payment method wouldn't work. Sorry, one of our systems is down. We're trying to do it as fast as we can to get better. You can update. Like, all these different things just kept popping up. I couldn't get into the app because my account wasn't registered on the app for whatever reason, and I couldn't get on the app because the the system didn't work since I didn't have a a unit because the payment didn't go through because their payment system went down, so I didn't have internet, so I didn't have an account, so I couldn't register on the app, and therefore was screwed out of internet last night. And the thing is, it wasn't really the show that I was the most pissed off about. I have been in a fantasy football league since about 7th grade. The same league for years. It's been forever. I don't remember how exactly how long we've been in this league together. But we've been in this for years. And all of us, not all of us, but a lot of us live in different states. We have people in Arizona. We have people in Washington, Minnesota. Like, and then we obviously have people in Iowa still. 
And the people that were in Iowa, I invited to come over to my apartment for the draft. And when you have people coming over for a fantasy football draft, this wasn't no offline draft. You need internet. And I'm not asking everybody, hey, just hop on my hotspot. Hey, I've turned on my phone's hotspot. You can use that for your internet access. And I paid for a a higher level internet access. So I think the internet the way I have here in the apartment is fairly good. But then when you don't have it and you have about six people coming over, it makes things really interesting. And the draft was going to happen at 8. And all of this happened at 6.30. The most convenient time possible to let me know, to notify me that, hey, this isn't working. Makes things so much, so much more difficult. So I'm panicking. I'm like, I don't, and everybody's messaging me, hey, Logan, I'll be there at 7.30. I'll be there at 7.30. I'll be there at 7.30. And I had to tell them at this perfectly convenient time, an hour before the draft, because now it's about 7 o'clock, an hour before the draft, hey, uh, we can't draft at my place anymore. CenturyLink's payment system is down, and it won't let me pay. So I have no internet. So that just made things a little bit more. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't end up hurting the fantasy football draft at all. I went over to my friend Spencer's house for the draft. Everybody else stayed at their own place. Some of them got together still. We had a Zoom meeting, everything. So it was still good. This is my favorite time of the year. This league's fantasy football draft is my favorite thing. And I've, I've in other leagues, I think I'm in three other leagues this year, apart from this one. But every year, this draft is my favorite one by far. We get on Zoom, we shoot the shit, and do the draft. And this league, we're ultra competitive in this league, so it's not like you're going to have anybody slacking off this year, or ever. Everybody checks the waiver wire, everybody makes the trades, everybody does all the important things required for a successful fantasy football league, which makes it more fun for everybody. Because there's some leagues that you're in, I would imagine, like if you're in more than one league, or even the one league that you're in, where there are people in there that don't really check, that don't really take it too seriously. We had the situation with fantasy basketball. I've only done fancy basketball. I think I've done fancy basketball like two years. And once we got towards the end of the season, everybody was just like, here, take the players. Because it's such a long season. Not, not everybody can stay up to date on it, check their lineups every single night. So it kind of, we, you know, fancy basketball is whatever. One of my friends brought fancy hockey, which would be very interesting. Another one brought fancy college football, which I didn't even know was a thing. But I'm all for that as well. But this league, I love doing this draft. So when everything kind of went tits up, per se, before the draft started with no internet access, when people are coming over, it made things stressful. I had the apartment all cleaned up, and not that it was dirty to begin with, but I like took the trash out and everything, cleaned the count. Like it was all coming to be good. We had Pitt, West Virginia on the TV. At least I thought I would have Pitt, West Virginia on the TV. And then my internet craps out, and I can't have it. So we did the draft, everything went well, but I, I'm not as confident in my team as I have been in the past. Like last year. Last year's fantasy draft is one of the greatest drafts I've ever had. No, the greatest draft I've ever had in my all, in all, all time. I somehow managed, and hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I don't know, looking back, how I was ma- able to get Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris with the 10th and 11th pick, who went first and third in this year's draft. I don't know how I got Justin Herbert and Debo Samuel, and I had other players on this team as well that were absolute ballers. But I had the top scores in every single position, it felt like. And then we didn't win the league. But I was feeling confident going into the season. I liked my team. Everybody liked my team. We did a pre, a post-draft like analysis. Like, whose team do you think is the best? This year, I am not as confident as I was last year. I said that during the draft, and I made some, like, I was like, you know what? 
expectations for my team are as low as they've ever been, probably ever. So I was like, okay, we're just going to have some fun here. And my first pick that I had that I thought was like, okay, this could be a little bit of a reach, but I want to take him just in case. Because when you're pick 10, the last pick slash first pick in the next round, you got 18, 19, 20 picks until your next pick. So if you pass on a player that you think might be available later, might is the key word. And you can look at like the Bills, our prime examples of this. The Bills liked Russell Wilson a lot. Took TJ Graham because they thought they could get Russell Wilson in the fourth. He went a few picks later to Seattle. They did the same thing with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, I think, traded up to get Dak Prescott to jump the Bills, who ended up taking Cardale Jones. Two starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Two of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And I would like to say congratulations on Russell Wilson on signing a five-year extension with the Broncos. Cool stuff from him. Don't really like the Broncos, but you know it's cool stuff that he still was managed to um, to manage to get a nice little contract extension there. We're always we're always ready for some uh, big time money. Like it's funny to look at the contract situation in the NFL right now because I believe I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe Patrick Mahomes is the fifth highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now. Josh Allen's not even in the top five anymore. So those deals, like the Patrick Mahomes one, was seen as a uh, as crazy when it first happened. And then now we're sitting here like, wow, they got themselves a freaking steal. How'd they manage to swindle Patrick Mahomes for that amount? In hindsight, like it was like, a what was it, 10 years, $500 million contract or something like that? And he managed to get, he managed to get the, wow. And now we're sitting here, Josh Allen's not even top five pick quarterback in the league anymore, and it's beautiful. And Lamar Jackson's got his contract situation coming up, who I've said this before and I'll say it again, I think he's going to be, once he gets paid, the highest paid player in NFL history. And then I think we'll see Justin Herbert pass that eventually. I think those are the next two guys we're talking about, the highest, highest paid guys in the NFL. I, I, have, a, I have a hard time believing with Kyler Murray's contract that Lamar Jackson will not get paid more than Kyler Murray and ultimately be the highest paid player in NFL history, at the time anyways, at the time. But back to the important things here at hand. I know I know, money's important. I know you want to get paid your worth. I know when you see players like Kyler Murray get paid more than you when you are clearly better than them at the time, you want to get paid more. But we're back, get back to fantasy football. I want to talk about some people that are not getting contract extensions really <laughs> anytime soon. Why? Because my team, and I talked about this, I believe, last Monday when I was talking about types of teams you can draft and how I like to draft the rookies. My team is about 90% rookies and second-year players. Like, my first two picks, I was a fan of. You know, I got Jamar Chase and uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, two nice players, two very nice players, uh, especially in a half-point PPR league, two guys that are going to get the ball to the backfield quite a bit. Kamara both in the run game and the pass game. And then Chase, we already know what Chase did last year. He broke all the rookie receiving records. So I was happy with the first two picks. And then I don't remember what I got with my next pick, what did I get? Uh, I got Kyle Pitts, who I'm expecting to score more than one touchdown this year. And then I drafted the boy, Brees Hall. I'm excited to see what Brees Hall does this year. I don't know when he's going to be the main guy back there because they do have some other options at running back. That's fair. But like Robert Sala, LaFleur, 49ers guys, love to establish the run, especially defense head coach. They love to keep their defense off the field as much as possible. Run kills time. And, you know, like we've talked about before, Running the ball, doesn't matter if you get no yards, one yard, or 100 yards, 
it makes the defense play. Makes them play physical. It sets the tone for the rest of the game if you run the ball, and Brees Hall is one of those guys. And what Brees did at Iowa State last year proved he could catch the ball in the backfield, which is a question mark for me going into that next season at Iowa State where he was a really effective receiver out of the backfield. Very effective receiver out of the backfield. So in a PPR league, I think Brees Hall could be used very, very well. I know the Jets have some weapons on the outside, like Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson they just drafted this year. They got C.J. Ozama from the Bengals. Like They have options. Their O-line, though Makai Becton is hurt, they did bring Dwayne Brown in. It's a very nice piece for the time being. Their O-line is not necessarily the worst thing of all time. It's not amazing, but it's definitely not terrible. So I think having someone like Brees Hall there would help take the pressure off Zach Wilson but Joe Flacco, we know, he's going to start at least the first game of the season. I don't know about Zach Wilson's current timetable for his injury. But Joe Flacco loves sewn to the tight ends. And having C.J. Ozama there will be, you know, it scares me a little bit for the targets of Reese Hall. And they're playing the Ravens, which is always scary. But then I get some, I got like J- Jalen Waddell. I got Michael Thomas in there as well. I got Mon Ross St. Brown. So I got like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, two of the older guys. But like, let's just go through the rest of the roster, and we'll go, like, who's second year and who's a rookie. So my quarterback's Trey Lance. That was my risky pick. I took him over a lot of quarterbacks in this draft, and I look at the 49ers, and this is one of the riskier picks, especially when you – I'm not going to tell you the quarterbacks who I passed up because I'll make you guys will probably make fun of me for it, for who I passed up, because I got made fun of a little bit by, by Kobe's in the league. And I sat there, and I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, because I just was like, I'm looking at my roster – I'm not 100% confident in it, but I'm I'm a naturally pessimistic person to begin with anyways. So when it comes to my fantasy football team, I was, I'm even more pessimistic. Or even about my teams in general, I'm pessimistic. So when I took Trey Lance, I was like, I might as well take a risk. I'm going to take a risk. But when I look at the 49ers offense, you got a good off the line. You got a coach that loves to establish the run game. You got weapons on the outside. You got Debo, obviously. You got Brandon Ayuk there, who's supposed to have a really nice year this year. He's out of Shanahan's doghouse. And George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in all the NFL. And Shanahan will love to use Trey Lance in the run game. The 49ers, when they're talking about yards after play, yards after catch, yards after reception, whatever, they were first, I believe they were first in the NFL. I think having a quarterback like Trey Lance, who's bigger than Jimmy Garoppolo, who can move more than Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a stronger arm than Jimmy Garoppolo, I think will really unload this offense. And I think Trey Lance playing against the, 40, against the Chicago Bears first, though Chicago is a decently tough place to play, and this will be a matchup against two backup, two guys that were drafted last year. Trey Lance drafted third. Justin Fields drafted 11th. But I think Trey Lance will come out on top. And I think Trey Lance will have a very, very nice year. I was big on Trey Lance going into the draft last year. I'm big on Trey Lance now. And I've said this a thousand times now. If Trey Lance reaches his potential, which I think he will in the San Francisco 49ers, given all the pieces around him, I find it hard to believe that he will not become the best quarterback in this draft class if he reaches that potential. But that's a big if. That's a big time if. What the? My mic just... I tried to move my mic around and it fell off the stand. How did this work? <laughs> Hold on. I got to reattach it. I was not... That was not something I expected to happen. Okay, it stays. But I don't... I don't that was that was weird. All I did was move my mic and the whole thing fell down. But good thing I'm, I'm a professional. So I stayed in frame. But the other young players I got... So I said Brees Hall. I said Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddell. Jamar Chase, the fifth overall pick last year. Jalen Waddle, the sixth overall pick. Kyle Pitts, the fourth overall pick. Amon Ross St. Brown, later pick last year. Rodrigo Blankenship, second-year player. I got Rashad White from Tampa. 
who I really like Rashad White. I'm not a really big Leonard Fournette fan. I think Rashad White's ability to catch the ball in the backfield and his size. Him and Brees Hall are very similar-ish players like that. So I like his potential there in Tampa. Kenneth Walker, he's got a he's had a surgery for a hernia. But I think from what I've seen from Pete Carroll this offseason, talking about Kenneth Walker, they will use him a lot. And Bre- and Pete Carroll, defensive-minded guy, will love to establish the run. You look at all the success Seattle's had running the football, Kenneth Walker could be that next guy. Then speaking of Seattle, I did get Tyler Lockett in there, Mr. Consistent. And I got Elijah Moore, second-year player, second-round pick from Ole Miss, was really establishing himself as the Jets' number one guy until he got hurt last year. Then I got Romeo Dubs from the Packers, really like him out of Nevada. And then Mike Gusecki, a little bit older player, but like this team's just young. This team is just very, very young. There are some older guys in there, like we've said. We got Alvin Kamara in there. We got Tyler Lockett, Michael Thomas, Mike Gusecki, I guess, could fall into that category as well. And we got the Chargers defense. I think if the Chargers defense can stay somewhat consistent and stay healthy, they will have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think there's just too many pieces on that defense to not be a very good defense, especially with a defensive-minded head coach. Getting J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack in is freaking massive. Having Joey Bosa and Derwin James already there is also freaking massive. You already know what the Chargers are going to do on offense, and their defense can just stay somewhat consistent. Like we said the other day, I have no doubt that Justin Herbert can propel himself into that conversation being the best quarterback in the NFL with the Chargers potentially making it to the Super Bowl. But the thing with the Chargers is that they've done this throughout their entire history, essentially, shooting themselves in the foot. If they can avoid doing that and can stay healthy, this defense can be very, very good. And they're in defense with good offenses. So that scares me a little bit. Like all these, te- all the teams in the AFC West have quarterbacks. All the teams in the AFC West have weapons. So I am a little nervous, but you know what? We move. I think the Chargers have a lot of talent on defense. But I, I, I'm not saying I don't like my team. I'm not saying I don't like my team. But I'm just not as confident in my team as I have been in years past. We, there's a lot of unknowns here because they're all so young. You don't know what these guys are going to be like. Brees Hall's never played in the NFL before. Rashad White, Kenneth Walker, Romeo Dubs. None of these guys have played in the NFL. Trey Lance really hasn't played in the NFL. I know he has some action in regular season. He started a game, I think, against the Broncos last year. Like, he's had some action, but nothing long-term. Jalen Wall being the number two guy in Miami, we'll see how that one goes with Tyreek Hill coming in. But I think Jalen Wall will get his touches. I like Jalen Wall quite a bit. High draft picks here. We got Trey Lance, third. Kyle Pitts, fourth. Chase, five. <laughs> Waddle, six. We got three of the top six, four of the top six draft picks from last season from the 2021 draft. We just didn't get Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, which I should have gotten Zach Wilson. My team name was Cougar Nation for a little bit, but uh, I got to change it because this team is extremely young. <laughs> so we, I think we got the youngest team in the league. And if it weren't for Joel not drafting a kicker or a defense, we would be the lowest scoring team in week one, projected-wise. I'm a projected 107.78 points in week one. So we'll see how that one goes. And my team, the team I'm playing, Glenn, has an extremely old team. A bunch of old farts on his team. But I'll need to look for a backup quarterback eventually. That was something that I neglected in this draft. So I, ho- I just need Trey Lance to ball out. Need Trey Lance to ball out. Because <laughs> I got no other options. Even if I look at the... The players in the free agent market at the quarterback position, we're looking at Tua, Justin Fields, Trevor, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff, Mac Jones, Marcus Mariota, Trubisky, Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Brissett, Davis Mills, Flacco, Geno, like the Zach Wilson. Like we're not, I'm not sitting here with the most confidence, if you know what I'm saying right now. 
So I don't really know which other quarterback. Like, I think Jameis could be a decent option as a backup, given all the weapons that the New Orleans Saints have. Mike Thomas, they brought in Chris Olave. They got Jarvis Landry there. Alvin Kamara in the backfield, good off the line. So I think, like, he'd be a really good option as a backup or even a starter in some cases. But he just throws a lot of interceptions. I know a lot of people are really high on Tua in the media, talking about Tua being this greatest quarterback of all time type things. Do I buy it? No. But you know what? <laughs> Teach their own, I guess. Teach their own. But I don't know who I want. I might just double down and get a second-year guy there, get Fields or Lawrence or Zach Wilson. We'll have to wait and see on that. But that's not really what I was wanting to talk about or spend the most of the time talking about today. Because like we said at the start of the show, it's college football. We are here. We have made it, ladies and gentlemen. We have college football today. Iowa, like we said before, playing South Dakota State. Iowa State playing Southeast Missouri State. And you and I playing Air Force. I love it. I'm so excited. But before we get into that... On the Saturday edition of Logan Blyman Show, make sure you're following Logan Blyman Show on all every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening right now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're liked or subscribed, whatever, on both of them. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube to search Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Subscribe, follow, like on both. And of course, once again, you're listening to it right now, so make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do about an individual episode or how you feel about the show in general. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't really care if it's a one-star rating or a five-star rating. As long as you leave a rating, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get into what we were really wanting to talk about. There was a lot of things that happened last night that I just need to get off my chest because fantasy football, I love fantasy football. It's one of my favorite things to do of the year. Drafts are just great. They're just fun in general. Everybody loves a draft. Unless your team drafts someone that you don't really want. Then it kind of makes things a little bit difficult or the guy doesn't pan out the way you expect him to pan out. And as someone that grew up watching the Bills in the draft, I experienced that quite a bit where you get a little excited for somebody and then it's like, uh, it just doesn't really work out that way. But fantasy football is fun. If you don't play fantasy football, I'm sorry. It is. It gives you something to do on Sundays. Like If your team's not playing, you have other te- you have players on your team you can cheer for. Like, I don't have any Patriots players on my team. I have a Dolphins and Jets players. I don't have any Bills players on my team, which is weird. But I'm fine with that. We've got a young team. I, In hindsight, I wish I did draft Stephon Diggs. I do wish I drafted Stephon Diggs because he was available. I took Chase with my first pick and Alvin Kamara with my second pick. But I just really like Alvin Kamara. I've talked about my love for Alvin Kamara before on the show. Not necessarily what he's done off the field, but on the field, he's a freaking baller. Just hope he doesn't get suspended for what happened at the Pro Bowl. Because <laughs> uh, that would be unfortunate because my running backs are already uh, waning as it is with none of them really being named the full-time starter on their respected teams as of yet. But, so, well, I guess since we talked about Brees Hall, we might as well start off with Iowa State. Iowa State, as we talked about before, is playing Southeast Missouri State. And we're going to go over what their opponent is looking like this season. So Southeast Missouri State, for those of you who are completely unaware, is uh, an FCS school. And they're not very good. According to ESPN, Iowa State has a 98.6% chance to win. And I would agree with that. I would borderline say 99.9% chance to win. But it's college football and anything can happen, especially when you look at how Iowa State tends to start the season off. Anything's possible. They were fair by 30 points against you and I last year, which again, I don't know who the hell made that line. But if you've ever watched Iowa Iowa State versus you and I before, that was a ridiculous line. And I get, I understand to a certain extent why that was the case. You watched UNI's offense in the spring. 
I would understand completely why some people would have gone like, okay, yeah, Iowa State should obliterate them. When Iowa State, I don't remember what they were preseason ranked. They're preseason ranked pretty high. And then you and I came in. I think they only lost by three points. Will threw a couple really bad interceptions. Will got lit up last night for Central Arkansas. Absolutely obliterated. But there were chances. Like when Theo Day got introduced against Sacramento State, I said in our group chat, our fantasy football group chat, there's got a lot of Iowa State fans in there. That if Theo Day started against Iowa State, that Iowa, you and I would have won. Because you and I played good and probably should have won and will through a couple of bad interceptions that game. But Iowa State under Matt Campbell shows next to nothing week one. Next to nothing. To the point where it makes it extremely hard to watch. It makes games that are not really that, that people look at and go like, yeah, Iowa State really should have no problems here. And make them extremely complicated. Extremely complicated, but this is a different team that they're playing versus what they played in the past. Like you look at some of the teams Iowa State has started the season off with in the past, namely you and I. Then you got Louisiana, who they lost to when COVID first kicked off. And they had that really tough game against Louisiana. Like Southeast Missouri State does not compare to some of the teams Iowa State has played week one. These teams are very, this team is not very good. They finished four and seven last year. Though they scored a decent amount of points in the games they got blown out in, they still got blown out. Their defense couldn't stop anybody. You look at their first few games of the season, their first three games against Southern Illinois, Sam Houston, Missouri. Now, all good teams, when you're playing Southeast Missouri State, teams that Southeast Missouri State really has no shot at winning at all. Southern Illinois, at the one time a top 10 team, a top 5 team in the FCS level. You and I beat them, though, which was pretty fun. In the Unidome, I think they were ranked third at the time. Sam Houston with the national championship two years ago. I don't remember because Montana State went last year. I don't remember who Montana State played because that was my team when we started the FCS playoffs last year, if you remember that. But Sam Houston, very good FCS team. And then Missouri, an FBS program in the SEC. So those three games, Southeast Missouri State had no chance of winning. But to be fair, they scored 21, 14, and 28 points in those games, though they allowed 47, 52, and 59. Not really ideal. Then they had a bounce back game against Tennessee State where they won. Lost to Tennessee Tech. So they started the season off one and four. And then won three of their last six games to finish four and seven. So, you know, they're not like horrific, horrific. But Iowa State, though they don't start the season well, you should not really have any issues in this game. Especially when you look at Iowa State's roster and some of the pieces they lost on offense. Namely, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, and Charlie Kohler. I can almost guarantee they're going to show nothing because then they got Iowa coming up. They're trying to get some of the rust off before the season starts, really starts. But you got games against, you know, Iowa coming up. You got Baylor. You got Big 12 Conference play. You got Ohio. So you got teams that you got to look forward to. And a team like Southeast Missouri State is not really someone that Iowa State should have a lot of problems with, which could bode well to Southeast Missouri State. That being said, it won't. (laughs) Iowa State, realistically, should have no issues in this game. Though they're not, I don't think they'll be as comfortable. I think the scoreline will be a little bit flattering to Iowa State, given how I think the game will go, just knowing what I know about Iowa State. With new quarterback coming in, new skill, some new skill position players, I don't think Iowa State will be playing as well as what the scoreline will indicate. I could see them winning like 38-14 to 14 or something like that. Like, and I think they'll score a lot of those points in the fourth quarter. I think. That's what my gut is telling me right now. But I don't think it'll be like a a 55 or 63-3 to three or nothing game. I don't think that's what we're going to get from Iowa State. 
I could be wrong, but just watching Iowa State these past few years under Matt Campbell, that's just not something they do week one. It's just not something they do. I believe they're 40-something point favorites in this game. Maybe 30-something. I don't really remember exactly, but I think like 38-14 to is a fair score prediction for Iowa State in week one. I can honestly see it being closer than that. And this isn't really how like I'm I'm really low in Iowa State because I said Southeast Missouri State's not very good. No, Iowa State just doesn't do anything week one. I think they'll have a better game against Ohio than they will against Southeast Missouri State. I think they will obliterate Ohio. And then the Southeast Missouri State they'll struggle with. Not like they'll lose the game or they should fear of losing this game at all. But just what we've watched of Iowa State, that's usually what we get from the Cyclones to start the season. Now, for Iowa, they're playing South Dakota State. When you're playing Missouri Valley Conference teams week one, and you're a program that is one of the big one of a you're a power five program, be careful for what you wish for. The Missouri Valley Football Conference is far and away the best conference in the FCS level. They have teams competing every single year for national championships. Like you look at South Dakota State just went to a national championship team two years ago. North Dakota State is a perennial. This like it's at the start of the FCS season. It's usually who is North Dakota State playing in the national championship game. That's usually how the season starts. Missouri State's a good team this year, or they were last year under Bobby Petrino. Southern Illinois, as we talked about before, were a top five team at one point last year, number three in the nation when they played you and I. Like the Missouri Valley Football Conference is loaded from top to bottom, and South Dakota State's no exception. So they went to the national championship game two years ago. They made it extremely far in the playoffs. Last year, they lost to the team that went to the national championship game in Montana State, lost in Bozeman, which is a tough place to play. Like, South Dakota State is no slouch. I know they lost some key players this year. They lost Pierre Strong. Massive loss. Big time running back for them. But Isaiah Davis played very, very well in the odd times Pierre Strong went beyond the field. Like, Isaiah Davis rushed for over 800 yards first year, over 700 yards last year. Like, he's no slouch. And when you get Pierre Strong, who's running the ball all the time, getting all the carries, and you're still managing to get over 700 yards rushing in your first two seasons at South Dakota State, you're doing something right. Now, it's kind of funny. South Dakota State's kind of like the Indianapolis Colts, per se, in regards to their quarterback position, because it feels like I could be wrong, but I feel like every single start of the season, the past like three or four years, they've had a different starter at quarterback. Because remember a few years ago when Minnesota randomly went 11 and 2, or however good they were, and I think they beat Auburn in the bowl game, and Iowa beat them in the regular season and their undefeated season, stormed the field. Remember that season? Well, Minnesota started off with South Dakota State. And South Dakota State, led led by Jabori Gibbs, almost beat Minnesota. It was like a one- or two-point game. Like, very, very close game. In Minnesota at night, like, it was a close, close game. Like, that's what we're talking about. South Dakota State's no slouch. So, Iowa playing them is kind of nerve-wracking. But Jabori Gibbs started there. And then Keaton Heidi started. And then Chris Gronowski started. And then we had Chris Alotikin last year because uh, Gronowski got hurt. So, Alotikin started. And now Alotikin's in the NFL. He got drafted, I think, in the seventh round by the Steelers. Good quarterback. Very good quarterback. I don't know how much of a chance he'll get in the NFL, but he was a good quarterback for South Dakota State. Now Gronowski's back. Keaton Heidi is still on the roster as well. But it sounds like Gronowski's going to be the starter for Iowa. So you got Gronowski back, who hasn't played in a year, and then Isaiah Davis coming in. I am very nervous for this game. Given what we know about Iowa's offense and how good South Dakota State can be on defense, which is just a constant theme in the FCS level where defense is more, especially in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, where defense is seen as the number one priority 
Like you look at all these teams, they've got some very, very good defenses. Very solid run rushing attacks, very solid quarterback play. Those South Dakota State's rotate their quarterbacks a lot due to injuries. Like Chris Ganowski, the only reason he started when the when South Dakota State won the national championship game to start the year is because Jabori Gibbs and Keaton Heidi both got hurt during the preseason. Both of them got hurt. So Gronowski led a comeback win against you and I in the Unidome. Walk-off touchdown in the Unidome. Sucked. Was sitting at home watching that one. But South Dakota State, scary. Iowa, yes, they lo- they have some peace on offense. I know a lot of people are really excited for Gavin Williams. Southeast Polk slash Dowling prospect. Johnson expected to take a jump this year. you got Nico Regani still there. You've got Sam Laporta, one of the most consistent figures at tight end in college football. I mean, it's tight end you, so you kind of expect that. Iowa's off the line can't be much worse than what it was last year. And same goes for Petras, who threw 10 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. We know what we're going to get from Iowa on defense. Secondary is one of the best in college football, if not the best. Linebacking core, same thing. Offense has major question marks. In a team like South Dakota State, a very, very good FCS program that's very consistent on defense and will establish the run, it makes it a little bit more challenging for Iowa. Because Iowa's had these games week one. They lost to North Dakota State a few years ago. They lost to Central Michigan. They've lost to Northern Illinois. Like They've had these tough games early in the season against teams that they should, by all accounts, destroy. And then they struggle against them and sometimes lose. You remember the few years, like, when they went to the Orange Bowl, they had to block two kicks against you and I in 117-16. Like, for as good as Iowa or Iowa State can be throughout the season... That first game is a little stressful sometimes. And you're playing a team like South Dakota State makes things a little really stressful. Because I've watched South Dakota State quite a bit playing you and I every year. You and I plays well against South Dakota State. But they're a tough team to play. I think Iowa, for what they lack on offense or what consistency on offense with Brian Ferentz calling the plays and Petrus' inconsistencies at quarterback makes this game a little stressful. So I'm going to go with like a 27-17 game for Iowa. I don't remember what the score line is in this game. I think Iowa's a 14-and-a-half point favor or something. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's what I saw. This game's going to be tough. This game's going to be tough. I hope Iowa fans are not sleeping on South Dakota State because this could be a game that could be an upset. It's a tough team to play. Yes, they don't have some of their best players from a season ago, but they still have players waiting in the wings to take their spots that are also very good players in their own right. Chris Kanowski's gone to a national championship game. Wait, I... He might have gotten hurt in the natty. I think uh, Heidi might have played the national championship game. I don't remember exactly, but this is a tough game. So I'm going to go, what did I say for Iowa State? 38-14? to 14? I'm going to go 27-17 for the Iowa game. Maybe 27-14. And I don't think it'll be, I think like Iowa State, similar thing. I think Iowa will extend their lead in the fourth quarter. So we'll see how this game's go. I could even see it being like a 17-10 game. 17-13. I think this could be a very, very close game. I don't think they'll need to take... I think they'll be winning the entire time. But I think South Dakota State will be nipping at their heels the entire game. And this game is a lot harder for Iowa than Iowa State's game. But we know that because South Dakota State, perennial deep playoff run team, been to a national championship game, Southeast Missouri State, 4-7 uh, and seven last year. But that's neither here nor there. I'm excited to see this these two games. Because then we got next week, we got Iowa State. And Iowa State has won in, I think, six attempts against Iowa. It's the first time in Kinnick Stadium in, I think, four years. It's been a long-ass time since they've been in Kinnick Stadium. And there's a lot of people out there that are going to be going on, the, that I've subscribed to, oh, Matt Campbell has to beat Iowa at some point, right? They ha- He has to beat Iowa at some point. 
I don't think that happens this year. I agree, but I don't think that happens this year. In the first year in Kinnick in four or five or how many, many years, I don't think that happens this year. But we'll get more into Iowa State once we get to next week because we'll know what happened after week one. I don't think we're going to really have a lot to talk about because I don't think either team will show that much. I don't really think either team will play that particularly well in their first game of the season. Just knowing what I know about Iowa's offense and South Dakota State and what I know about Iowa State starting a season, doesn't matter how good their team they're playing is, they tend to be a little more reserved in that first game of the season. That's not an indictment on Iowa State or saying anything bad about Iowa State. That's just saying, hey, they don't want to show anything. They want to show next to nothing in week one. Doesn't matter how many points they're favored by in week one, I would bet the under. Like I know South I know Southeast Missouri State is worse than you and I, worse than Louisiana, worse than some of the other teams they played week one. But Matt Campbell, I believe, has been outscored week one in his time at Iowa State. I believe. I could be wrong about that. I did the math last year. I don't know if that stays the same, but I believe he's been outscored week one. So I have to see. I think Iowa State and Iowa will both win, but I think they will be both tough games for them. And then for you and I, a team that has given both Iowa and Iowa State problems in week one, they're playing Air Force. And Air Force, we talked about this a little bit. I don't remember when it, we talked about this a little bit ago. But Air Force is the most consistent program out of the out of the military schools. All right, Navy, Army, and Air Force. Air Force is constantly the most consistent. I think the main reason for that being is that Air Force is not competing with Navy and Army in regards to geographical recruits. Army and Navy are really, really close together. Army is in New York. Navy is in Maryland. And we got Air Force all the way out in Colorado. So when we're looking at geographic regions and where they're recruiting, I know the military schools get a pull from all over the country because people want to go to like the schools that like their grandparents or parents went to or they want to represent the, mil- the branch of military their parents or grandparents or brothers, sisters, cousins were in. But when you're talking about the geographical regions, Air Force has is the only school really... I, I might be forgetting somebody, but the only school really that is running the triple option over in that area. There's some fast-paced schools in that area, but we're talking about triple option, the specific players you need for this offense to work. Air Force is the only school in the West Coast. If we're calling Denver West Coast, I'm just like Western half of the United States. They're the only school that recruits like that. Army and Navy have to compete with each other in that region, and they're very, very close to each other. So Air Force, you rarely see them lose below or win below nine wins a season. Eight, eight, nine wins. They're usually teetering around there. Navy will have seasons where they win 11 games. The next season, they'll win two. Army sucked for most of my life, and they've gathered some sort of a consistency back. Both, of, All three of these schools run the triple option beautifully. But our Air Force is just the most consistent out of that bunch. And when you're scouting, we've talked about this before on the show numerous times. Because I think it's important to realize this. Because when these military schools play bigger programs, I'm not saying you and I is up there with the likes of Oklahoma, Michigan, Wisconsin teams that all these other schools have played. But when you see these guys play these big schools, they can't necessarily prepare for that. You're not going to have any off the linemen that are going to be able to cut like Air Force, Navy, and Army are. You're not going to have a quarterback that's going to be able to run the triple option the same way that Navy, Air Force, and Army are. You're not going to be able to do that. Your reads aren't going to be perfect. Like These guys run it so fast it makes it damn near impossible to scout for. Now, triple option offenses, there can be bad ones. Like, you can see teams, like, I know this is a constant argument, like, when's the last time you saw a triple option school win the national championship game? But Navy and Army and Air Force aren't necessarily held in the same regards as what they were in the 40s and 50s, where you had the some very, very good players go through those programs. 
winning national championships, winning Heisman trophies and stuff like that. You're not going to have that. I think Ricky Dodds is really the last person we talked about in regards to the military schools having a guy. Keenan Reynolds, I guess, was another one in there that you really talked about as a possible Heisman winner. National championships never been a question for these guys. It's never even been really brought up anymore. I don't remember the last time you've even had a conversation of Air Force, Army, and Navy being mentioned in national championship conversations. Navy, I guess to a certain extent, when Ricky Dobbs was there, because they had some really good teams under when Ricky Dobbs was the quarterback. He was a dark horse Heisman quite a bit. And Keenan Reynolds just ran all over the place. But you don't really have that. But it doesn't take away from the fact that they're extremely consistent football teams. And I don't know you and I who doesn't play these style of schools ever. I don't remember the last time you and I played a triple option school. I think this will be hard for them. Now, what does help you and I to a certain extent, they're in a conference with teams that love to run the football. South Dakota State, North Dakota State being the main dogs in that fight. But they are used to playing against the run. They're not going to be used to cut blocks and the off- like the speed of their offense. Because where North Dakota State runs an eye formation and just pounds the rock and just beats you up for four, three, four yards at a time, Air Force's fullback will beat you up. Their quarterback will run all over you. And you got the slot backs will come around. You got all these different options on offense. Now, what does help again is that when these option teams are in trouble, you know, you can pretty much figure out fairly easily when they're going to throw the football. It's fairly easy to figure out when Army, Navy, and Air Force are going to throw the football because they throw it at the most, like the most predictable times of the game. And you and I does have a very good defense. Mark Farley defense, a guy they're always going to have a very good defense. Very solid defense. Air Force, same way. Air Force usually always has a very good defense. But I don't really think just because of the fact that you and I can't really properly scout this, I think Air Force will win this game. I don't really think that's crazy to say. I think you and I will be competitive in this game to a certain extent. It's not going to be like a blowout or anything. At least I hope not. Knock on wood, of course. I'm excited to see what this UNI offense looks like because we've been told numerous times that this offense is revolutionary. It's built specifically for UNI. They've taken notes from Eastern Washington, who's had a very good offense in the FCS level, and you've implemented these things in UNI's offense. They established somewhat of a run game last year. Theo Day is there. Losing Isaiah Weston's big, but Quan Hampton, uh, Deion McShane are still there. You're not going to have Trevor Penning there, who's out for the season. I think he had an ankle injury or foot injury, so... Quick, quick recovery for Trevor Penning for the Saints. But I think you and I, I think they've, I don't think they're going to win this game. I'm going to go with like a 28 to 10 game, 28 to 14 game for you and I versus Air Force. Maybe 28 17. I, I think you and I can score, but Air Force does have a very solid defense. I just, I, I have my reservations about the offense. I do, as most you and I fans would, if you just watched the past two seasons for you and I. But if this offense is as good as advertised or as good as what they're saying it is, they could cause some problems. I think you and I will have a very good team this year. Like we've gone through the schedules before, I think you and I will be one of the better teams in Missouri Valley Conference. I think they'll make the playoffs. They're going to be better than what they were last year. Because if you think about it, you and I went back-to-back seasons in months apart. They didn't have a full off season. So when we're judging you and I's offense, I guess you could go down the route of they didn't have a full offseason to really implement it. It was like, well, one season ended, and then bam, next season starts. They had no offseason. They've had a complete offseason. So I, you and I's offense should be a lot better, miles better, years better than what we've seen the past two seasons for you and I. I just don't think it's going to show itself against Air Force. 
And if I look at the rest of the schedule, we've done this before. I've done it before, but since it, we're just going to refresh your memory here because of the fact that, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we talked about this. But I think they'll lose to Air Force. For, we're going to go UNI, Iowa State. We're going to go back in reverse order. So we lost to Air Force. We got a win versus North Dakota State, which will be very, or North Dakota, which will be very, very tough, tough place to play. Sacramento State, I think they'll win. That was the game Theo Day got introduced last year, and you and I played well. You can't lose to Western Illinois. Indiana State, they should win. Illinois State, they should win. Utah Tech, they should win. And then you've got three, four really tough games to end the season. Missouri State, Southern Illinois, South Dakota State, and South Dakota. Southern Illinois and South Dakota both on the road. I think they... I think they... I think they beat Missouri State. I think they lose to Southern Illinois, lose to South Dakota State, beat South Dakota. So that's 8-3. and And I think for Iowa State, if we look at Iowa State's schedule for this season... Uh, hold on. I think they'll beat SEMO. I think they'll lose to Iowa. Beat Ohio. I think they'll upset Baylor. I think being at home will be big. I like what Baylor does there. But, I don't know. I think Iowa State's got them there. They can't lose to Kansas. Kansas State, I think they'll win. I think they'll lose to Texas. Lose to Oklahoma. Beat West Virginia, who just lost a really tough game against Pitt. B- great stuff. Love that the backyard brawl is back. I think they'll lose to Okie State. Beat Tech. And then beat TCU. So, I got them at 7-5. and five. So, I got, what, SEMO? Ohio, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. West Virginia, Texas Tech. Well, I had them losing one other game in there, but I don't remember where it is. So uh, Iowa, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Who did I have them else losing? I had them losing one more game, but I don't remember which game it was because I had them at 7-5 and because I just did this on Cole and Company last Friday. Am I forgetting somebody? There's one game. I had them at 7-5, and five, but I don't remember what game I had them losing. Maybe TCU on the road. Maybe TCU on the road. Because I had them losing one more game. Iowa, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Whatever. I think Iowa State will go 7-5. and five. I can't remember what seat, what game I had them losing. But Iowa, I think they'll beat South Dakota State, beat Iowa State, beat Nevada, who have three of their best players gone from last season's team. And Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, and Cole Turner. I think they beat Rutgers. I think if the game's at night against Michigan, they win. If it's in the day, I think it's a closer loss. Uh, beat Illinois. So they start off really good. Start off six and zero, five and one. I get absolutely bl- obliterated by Ohio State. They beat Northwestern. They lose to Purdue. They lose to Wisconsin. Beat Minnesota and beat Nebraska. So what? They lose to Ohio State, Purdue, Wisconsin, and possibly Michigan. So nine and three, eight and four. And I think they could lose a lot of like. I think Northwestern will be a tough game because it always is. I think Minnesota on the road though they haven't lost them in years will be a tough game. I don't know. I Iowa's a really weird thing because their offense is really bad. It can't be that being said, it can't be worse than what it was last year. It can't. I know Petrus was named the starter, but I don't expect him to be the full time starter. Like Iowa's quarterback situation is bad. Their offense is bad, but it cannot be worse than what it was last year. And as we're talking about Spencer Petrus and we're looking at the rest of the college football quarterback landscape. We're going to go over the Power 5 quarterback rankings in college football. So for those of you who are unaware about the Power 5 rankings, it's ACC, the Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, and the ACC. All right, so looking at the great landscape of college football, I think there's there are some clear, clear top dogs. Like, I don't really think I need to tell you who's a top guy in, like, the Big 10 or the SEC or even the Pac-12 I think we've pretty much established that those are C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, and Bryce Young. And I think in the Big Ten, 
there is as big of a gap between the best and second best guy as there is all across college football. I think there's a big of a gap between first and second in the Big Ten as there is in the Big 12 and ninth place. Like that's how big of a gap there is between the big the Big Ten and their second place guy. And I think, like, well, I guess we just might as well start in the Big Ten. I was going to go in alphabetical order, but I think to start in the Big Ten, I think you would go C.J. Stroud and then Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. Now, Aiden O'Connell played last night. We saw Aiden O'Connell take on the Penn State Nittany Lions, the team that was ranked third in the nation one time and finished 7-5. and five. Aiden O'Connell threw the ball a lot. He threw the ball a freaking lot. He threw it 58 times. Completed 29 of them. Not the greatest completion percentage of all time. But Purdue was playing catch-up for 90% of the game. They are down 21 to 10 at halftime, so they had to try and play catch-up. So when you're playing catch-up, you heard Bruce Arians talk about this when he had Jameis Winston. They were throwing the ball all the time because they couldn't. They were trying to keep up. They couldn't stop anybody, and Jameis kept turning the ball over. So when you get down in these types of situations, you got to just keep throwing the ball. You're not going to come back from an 11-point deficit at halftime and go, you know what? Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to run the ball and win the game. Now, some teams, that works. But 99% of the time, that's not going to cut it. You saw an example of that last year, Michigan State versus Ohio State. Kenneth Walker was one of the best players in all of college football last season. Michigan State's offense 100% revolved around Kenneth Walker. But against Ohio State, who was the number one passing offense in college football, or one of the number one top passing offenses in college football, you're not going to win the game by running the football, especially with how bad your defense is. That's what that's a problem. So Aiden O'Connell throwing it 58 times, only completing 29 of them. Sure, it's not the greatest thing of all time. I'm sure he's going to want to improve on that. But I still think he's a good quarterback. And I think he'll put up great numbers. And it's kind of just it's just sad to look at Charlie Jones going for 153 yards in this game and a touchdown. When he was at Iowa, all he was used for pretty much was I don't know what you call it. Uh, what do you wow, my I am blanking. Well, he ran like crossing routes, he ran scat plays. He did all these little, like, gimmick plays. He never was used as a true wide receiver, and this is what he does when he's used in that aspect. Tyrone Tracy didn't have the greatest game of all time. He had one catch for eight yards, but just resembles his time in Iowa. <laughs> but Tyrone Tracy is a good wide receiver, and I'm sure we'll have better, better games than what he had last night against Penn State. But they did end up losing 35-31. But I think Aiden O'Connell is the number two guy. I think number three would go to Aliyah Tagovailoa, brother of two of the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Similarly to Purdue, Maryland is a pass-first offense. They have some nice weapons. On the outside, Dante Demas being the main guy or one of the main guys for Maryland. They're fun. T- they're a fun offense. They're a fun offense. I do like watching Maryland. You got Raheem Jarrett, Dante Demas. You got Tua Lee Tagovailoa back at quarterback. Does he have some question marks around his play? Do I think he's as good as Tua was in college? No. But I like what he is a fun, decent, fun quarterback to watch. He sucked against Iowa last year. He was brutal against Iowa. He had five interceptions against Iowa. He never had more than two interceptions in the game after that. He only had one game where he had over two interceptions after that. That was against Ohio State. Like, Maryland was going into that Iowa game feeling all hot and mighty about themselves, high and mighty about themselves, and got absolutely obliterated by Iowa, and Tualia sucked through five interceptions. Five of his 11 interceptions from last season came against Iowa. But he still put up good numbers. I have to rank him third. Number four... I have a little bit of a, I don't know where exactly I want to put him because this guy kind of, I don't, once we're get, once we're, now that we're past this portion of the list, it's kind of like who's who of quarter. I, I put Peyton Thorne for Michigan State. I'm intrigued to see how he does this year, not having Anthony or Anthony Kenneth Walker at running back. 
Because when you look at Michigan State's offense, they were Peyton Thorne really had a lot of pressure taken off of him because of the fact Michigan State was so dominant running the football. When you have a good running game, your pass game kind of opens up. It sucks the defense in. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't matter if you get one yard of carry or 100 yards. You're making the defense hit on every single freaking play. And that's what you had here last year. That's why Peyton Thorne was so uh, not so good, but why he put up good numbers last year. His life was made 100 times easier by the fact that he had an elite running game. Like he put up 3,200 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 picks for a team that had a very solid record last year until they played Ohio State and then it absolutely got obliterated. But went 11-2 last year, won the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, had good success, lost to Ohio State, lost Purdue. But Peyton Thorne had some decent games last year. He only had one game where he overthrew under 300 yards, but that was against Western Kentucky, which was a closer game than I'm sure Michigan State was expecting. But, you know, Western Kentucky, very heavy pass first team. We had Bailey Zappi on this roster, so he didn't know you're going to pass the ball. But I have him at number four. Number five, this one is questionable because neither one of them have really been named the starter, at least what I've seen. I guess I haven't looked at it or anything. And I think just by saying that, you know who I'm talking about. We're talking about Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. I don't know who is the starter. Uh, have they announced who he's, is he starting? Because I would, that would make the ranking a little bit easier because then we, we, it's hard ranking two guys. What the decision to start, agree with Jim, start JJ McCarthy in first two games of the season and who will come out on top. So it sounds like McCarthy, McNamara starting week one, McCarthy two. But I have him at number five. I have I have these two at number five. I think JJ McCarthy is a better. And we're talking about skills. I think JJ McCarthy is a lot more skilled. I think he has a stronger arm. He's more mobile than JJ, than Cade McNamara is. But it's kind of the situation that we have at our hands where we're like, oh, Cade McNamara was the starting quarterback for a team that just went to the Big Ten championship, a team that just went to the college football playoff. All these different things. No, similarly to what we talked about, Peyton Thorne. Michigan's had a very good run game themselves. They didn't have a Kenneth Walker, but they had a very well-rounded rushing attack. It wasn't just one guy. Hassan Haskins rushed for over 1,300 yards. Blake Corum had almost 1,000 yards rushing. We had 31 touchdowns between those two last year running the ball. And then Obviously, we already talked about how good they were on defense. Like Everybody knows how good they were on defense. With, the, with the Hutchinson, with Ojabo, with Daxton Hill, with a lot of different people on defense, Cade McNamara didn't really have to do a whole lot. 15 touchdowns, 6 picks, 2,500 yards. J.J. McCarthy would come in as the quote-unquote running quarterback. But I like what J.J. McCarthy does. I think in the long term, I think when Michigan decides to name – because they're, they're starting off the season with three relatively easy games. Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. And they got Big Ten Conference football. Those are three relatively easy games to ease whoever the starting quarterback is. Because it's not like you have one game where – one quarterback's playing a team that is a lot better than the other the team the other quarterback played, so it's hard to judge which quarterback should be the starter. You're playing two Mountain West teams, neither one of them are that good, in Colorado State and Hawaii. So I think those are two very level-headed teams, and both of them are going to play against UConn regardless of who starts. Realistically, Michigan should ob- obliterate UConn. Like, UConn's the worst on those three teams, and all three of those teams are very, very bad. So all three, all three, both those guys will play against UConn, but I like what J.J. McCarthy does more. I think you know what you're getting from McNamara, but he can be kind of frustrating at times, but both of them will play. Number six, we have Sean Clifford. I mean, there's no real other options after after this point. Like, there's other like quarterbacks we could have ranked that point, 
but Sean Clifford been there forever. I don't remember. I don't know how many years Sean Clifford's been there, but it feels like he's been there forever. He's had some ups and downs. Well, at Penn State last season, twenty-one touchdowns, eight picks, thirty-one hundred yards. Very talented runner, very physical runner. He's a bigger dude, six foot two, two hundred twelve pounds. Physical guy had a very good game against Purdue last night. Had four touchdowns, one pick, two hundred eighty-two yards. Good game for him last night. He had a rushing touchdown as well. So five total touchdowns for Sean Mac- Sean Clifford in this game. But I just, I'm just not a big Sean Clifford fan. I'm just not a big Sean Clifford fan. I'm sorry. So like, if you look at like. I, if you look at the top six or top, if you look at the top six minus number one, you can rank those guys in any other order you want, and I really would not care. Like those guys are all like pretty much the same, and then we're looking at like seven, eight, nine, and I think the same thing there. I think at number seven, this one's kind of an interesting one. I'm gonna go Casey Thompson from Nebraska, formerly of Texas. Casey Thompson's skill, I don't like last year when uh, earlier this year, I guess when Quinn Ewers transferred to Texas. I don't think Texas's big issue was their quarterback position, which was kind of funny. Like you look at all the problems Texas had with with rotating uh, Hudson Card and Casey Thompson, and Casey Thompson played all right against Purdue. Though he threw two interceptions, he played all right. So I'll put him at number seven. I have Tanner Morgan at eight. Tanner Morgan is very frustrating. In Minnesota, similarly to what we talked about with Michigan State and Michigan, are traditionally a run first team. He didn't really need to do a lot against New Mexico State the first game of the season. They won 38-0. He had 174 yards passing, 13-19. Mom and Ibrahim's back. Trey Potts is back. Like You got your starting running backs from last year back. He had two touchdowns on the ground. He's just a solid quarterback. Solid enough quarterback. He's kind of gone downhill since Minnesota had their really good season. But he's just an all-right quarterback. I, yeah, I don't, I don't really <laughs> – I don't overrate him. I – He's a bald dude who plays decent for Minnesota. He's fine. Next one, we've got Graham Mertz. Remember that first game against uh, Illinois a few years ago where we we looked at Graham Mertz and thought he was this great, great quarterback or this next up-and-coming quarterback? Hey, he reminds me a lot of Spencer Petras to a certain extent. Let's look at the numbers-wise. There's not really a lot to say about him. I think just number nine and just stick with it. Number 10, we got Connor Bazalik. He's a transfer from Missouri. We know Missouri loves themselves to pass the football. Indiana struggled mightily last year. I think they won two games all season, lost every single game in the conference. Like they were extremely frustrating last year. When you look at like the expectations for Indiana going into the season, and then how bad they were. Michael Penix having issues all season was not really fun to watch. Like last year, they had nine touchdowns, fifteen interceptions as a team. That's what they had. That is brutal. So pretty much having anybody else at quarterback will be an improvement. And Connor Bazalik comes in off a decent season last year with Missouri. I might rank him up. You know what? We're going to rank him above Graham Mertz. We're going to move him above Graham Mertz. That's what we're going to do. We're going to move him above Graham Mertz. Change the rankings a little bit. He's fine. I'm intrigued to see what he does. Because he can't be any worse than what Indiana put out there at quarterback last year. Number 11. Sorry, it gets kind of tough. I have Petrus at 11. And I like, okay, the last last few are Ryan Helsinki from Northwestern, Tommy DeVito from Illinois, and Noah Vedrol from Rutgers. That's how we're ranking the last ones. I think Helsinki transferred from South Carolina. To, uh, there's not really just, there's not really a lot to say about him. He was a high, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was a pretty highly rated recruit at a high school. He had two touchdowns, 314 passing against Nebraska, 27 to 38. 
didn't really do a whole lot last year. Like, yeah, I d- I don't know. Tommy DeVito transferred from Syracuse, got beat up by Schrader there. And then Vedral and Petrus. We've already talked. We've talked enough about Petrus. <laughs> so there's the Big Ten rankings. We got here's a reminder of the Big Ten rankings. CJ Stroud, Aiden O'Connell, Tulia Tagovailoa, Peyton Thorne, one of the Michigan quarterbacks, Sean Clifford, Casey Thompson, Tanner Morgan, Connor Bozalik, Graham Mert, Spencer Petrus, Ryan Helsinki, Helinski, sorry, Helinski, Tommy DeVito, and Noah Vedral. Then moving on to the Big 12. There's only 10 quarterbacks in the Big 12, 14 in the Big 10, which is just weird. Pac 12. What, do we have 12 teams there? Good job. You have the number that matches the college teams of the conference. Good job. So the Big 12, again, I Big 12's got a down. This is a down year for the Big 12, realistically. Oklahoma is not viewed the same as what they have been in the past. I do think Oklahoma's got some good players on their team. I like, I like Dylan Gabriel. I have him as the number one quarterback in the Big 12. Transfer from UCF, left-handed quarterback. Put up some decent numbers in his time at UCF. Battled some injuries while there as well. Not like Mackenzie Milton. Not like that. He didn't battle an injury quite like that. But he did have some sort of injuries while in his time at, at, at while at UCF. He wasn't originally going to go to Oklahoma. He was going to UCLA. And then uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson came back. And then he decommitted from UCLA and went to Oklahoma once Caleb Williams left. But like, look at his time at UCF. 29 touchdowns, 7 picks first year. 32 touchdowns, 4 picks last, second year. And then nine touchdowns, three picks, injury. I think he broke his arm. I think that was his injury that he had last year. I don't really remember. But he's put up really good numbers in his time at UCF. I think he'll put up really good numbers in Oklahoma. We know how Brent Venables is as a defensive coordinator. Now it's time to see what he does as a head coach. Oklahoma's offense is the thing that everybody wants to watch. It's what you usually try to tune into when you're watching Big 12 football. And Oklahoma doesn't have that big-name quarterback that usually everybody's usually looking for. You don't have Baker. You don't have Kyler Murray. You don't have Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams. You don't have that. You have Dylan Gabriel. And again, I like Dylan Gabriel, so I'll keep him at number one. Number two is Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. Played last night, or played, was it last night? Sorry. I'm being, I'm, my brain's kind of working. It's kind of struggling right now. Yeah, last night. I don't know why I was thinking of some other time, but <laughs> 406 yards, four touchdowns passing against Central Michigan. 14-point game against Central Michigan. CMU scored 22 points in the fourth quarter to make it a little interesting. He also had 57 yards on the ground and two touchdowns there. I think if Spencer Sanders gets consistent, he can be the best quarterback in the Big 12. I think he's more talented than Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel coming from UCF in a smaller conference in the AAC. Spencer Sanders been in the Big 12. Started fourth, This will be his fourth year starting at Oklahoma State. I still think it's crazy. He had back-to-back years, freshman, sophomore year. He had the exact same passing attempts and completions. Never seen that before in my entire life. He's improved almost every year, pretty much every year. His touchdowns went down his second year, but his interceptions went down as well. They had 20 touchdowns last year, and now he's got four touchdowns, no picks. Completed 68% of his passes week one, 406 yards, also has two rushing touchdowns, which is joint second career high for Spencer Sanders. Again, I think he's more talented than Gabriel, and I would not be upset if anybody had him at number one. But I just think Dylan Gabriel, though he didn't play a lot last year, I think what I've seen of Dylan Gabriel, just consistency-wise, again, smaller conference, I understand that. But from what I've seen, I like Dylan Gabriel quite. I like both of them. I think both of them are the top two guys in the Big 12 pretty comfortably. Number three, a little bit controversial since he hasn't ever played a college football game, but I got Quinn Ewers. This is potential-wise because Quinn Ewers is the highest-rate high school quarterback of all time. He's going to a Texas team with C. Sarkeesian with his first year as the head coach. Didn't go very well. Lost to Kansas, had quarterback questions. I'm not, again, I don't think they played that bad last year. They weren't great, but they didn't play that bad. 
I think they had bigger question marks than what there was at quarterback, but Quinn Ewers being a Texas kid, going back to Texas, made all the sense in the world. He's been named the starter. They have Quinn Ewers, they have uh, Xavier Worthy there. They have B. John Robinson, the best running back in college football there. That should ease the pressure on him immensely. And I think Texas could surprise some people this year. I'm not saying Texas is back or anything, but I think they could surprise some people. I like some of the talent they've accumulated on this roster, and I'm intrigued to see how they use it. Number four, I kind of rotate. It's kind of similar thing we talked about the Big Ten. I think four, five, and six, and kind of seven, are all kind of in that same realm. Number four, who I think is extreme. I've never liked this guy, really, since he's been a big-name college quarterback, but that's JT Daniels. He's not the reason that West Virginia lost last night. He did throw a pick six. But, uh, yeah, it went right through the receiver's hands. He can't run, but he did run a rushing touchdown. He had negative 23 yards rushing, but that's beside the point. Didn't complete a higher percent of his passes. Didn't play amazing. But it was a fun game. Very, very fun game. Keaton Slovis looked back to his semi-old self, 308 yards and a touchdown in the game for Slovis. But JT Daniels, I've never been a massive fan of JT Daniels. But this is more of the Big 12 does not have a great group of quarterbacks. They don't really have a great group of quarterbacks. So JT Daniels slots in at number four. Number five, we have Tyler Show, who is coming off of a broken clavicle. I believe that's what he injured last year. Broke his clavicle in the preseason, or like the first couple games last year. Should be coming back this year fully healthy. We'll see how he actually does. But Texas Tech, we know they have a solid offense. It means Texas Tech, so you know they're going to play somewhat decent on offense. Show is a bigger guy, transferred from Oregon. Can move the move around a little bit. Can move around a little bit, about 6'5", 230 pounds. Can move, played some decent time at Oregon, transferred to Texas Tech. Six touchdowns, three picks last year before he broke his clavicle. Completed a decently high percentage of passes. I like Tyler Show. I do like Tyler Show, and I think if he gets, if he's back and fully healthy, he should have a very nice year for Texas Tech. Number six, Blake Schappen from Baylor. He played a little bit last year when Gary Bohannon would, like, they'd rotate in and out. Gary Bohannon transferred to USF, for those of you who are unaware of what happened there. But Schappen played well in his minimal time that he did play. Five touchdowns, no picks. For him last season, not necessarily the same runner as Gary Bohannon is. I'm not saying he's a, a terrible runner by any means. He's not like he's not JT Daniels. He's not as flat-footed as JT Daniels is, but I don't think he's as fleet-footed as uh, Gary Bohannon. Six foot, two hundred pounds, basically me out there. We'll see how he does. He had decent. He again, he looked decent in the time he played last year. Expectations are relatively high on Baylor again. They just went to the Big Twelve Championship game, beat Ole Miss, and I believe the Sugar Bowl. So expectations going into the season are going to be high. And he beat out Gary Bohan in the offseason. He transferred to USF. So we'll see how he does. I'm excited to see what Baylor does this year. I I like how I like that they've turned that thing around. I do like that they turned that thing around. Next, we got Max Duggan. We got Max Duggan slash Chandler Morris. They have announced both are going to see time in the game in their first game of the season. Max Duggan, obviously a Council Bluffs kid. So I want to cheer for the Iowans 100 percent of the way. I'm going to always do that. Now we're going to see both of them tonight. We got TCU taking on Colorado, which should be fun. Old Big 12 team versus an old Mountain West team. Should be fun, but Max Duggan played well last year. Put up decent numbers. Chandler Morris himself also played fairly well in the minimal time that he played. Max Duggan, there were question marks going into the season last year about Max Duggan. And now, going into the season again, we're having some sort of question marks again. We don't know if he's going to be the starter or not. They lost Zach Evans, the greatest TCU running back of all time. Remember that. Greatest TCU running back of all time, according to people on Twitter, because they forgot who Ladanian Tomlinson was. So that's going to be big. But they got Quentin Johnston there. One of the top wide receivers going to be in the next year's draft. I would expect him to be somewhere late first round, early second round, at least at this point. That gets obviously subject to change. 
But yeah, Max Duggan's Max Duggan's good. Max Duggan is good. Chandler Morris played well when he played. So we'll see how that one goes. But I have them at number seven jointly. Number eight, Adrian Martinez. Dude's been at, was at Nebraska for a hundred years. Now he's at Kansas State. I think his girlfriend plays soccer there or something. I I mean Adrian Martinez though he's fifty years old. I do he is a decent enough quarterback. He does have talent in there. It was like every single other year, every other year, it was like Adrian Martinez is a dark horse Heisman candidate. We know what he can do running the ball, throwing the ball. He's been really up and down in his time at Nebraska. That's just been Nebraska in general. I think going to a system where you have a head coach that has one, that's beaten some big teams, beaten Oklahoma, pushed Oklahoma to the brink a few times. I think having that there will be big, and I could see him doing well. I could see Adrian Martinez doing well. At Kansas State for this next season, I just it just bothers me. I mean, he's a Nebraska guy. He's a, every like I remember Bleacher Report like like three years in a row said he was a dark horse Heisman, and that's why we don't really follow what Bleacher Report says other than like updates for sports. Like uh, like if we're getting an official update or a score or something like that, I don't really follow them for their opinion pieces. I remember there was an article that said we're all gonna be looking for the next EJ Manuel when the Bills drafted him in 2013. Yeah, that didn't really work out. Next we got Hunter Deckers. Don't really know anything about. I mean, he played a little bit last year for Iowa State. Left-handed quarterback, big dude, six foot three, two hundred six pounds. Again, played some time last year. Had a really good rushing touchdown, I believe, against Kansas last year. Had sixty-one yards rushing, a touchdown there. Also put up two touchdowns and one interception, one hundred ninety-three yards. When he had Brock Purdy there, established starter for Iowa State, arguably the greatest quarterback in Iowa State history. You're not going to get a lot of playing time, but when he did, he did play well. Like you saw him against Oklahoma and Brock Purdy got hurt. He threw a pass and Brees Hall made a one-handed, insane one-handed catch. We just don't know a lot about him. We just don't know a lot about him. So he comes in at nine. And then number 10, I like this guy just because he beat Texas last year, but Jalen Daniels from Kansas. It's Kansas. I mean, was anybody really expecting a Kansas quarterback to be ranked higher than 10th? Maybe ninth. I mean, Jalen Daniels didn't really play a whole lot last year, but when he did, he played well. He did play well. Beat Texas through seven touchdowns, three picks, almost 70% completion percentage. I do like Jalen Daniels. This isn't more of a like bashing Jalen Daniels. I just don't. It's hard for a Kansas quarterback at this point. It's not Todd Reising. Like we're gonna we're gonna have to rank him low. He was gonna be ranked either ninth or tenth. I could make an argument for him being ninth, just because out of all the other quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, Hunter Decker's the only one that hasn't played. Him and Quinn Ewers just haven't played. But I'm I'm buying on the potential of Quinn Ewers. I am buying that. So. It might not work out, but that's my big 12 rankings. we got Dylan Gabriel 1, Spencer Sanders 2. It's basically 1A, 1B type thing. I like both of them. Quinn Ewers 3, JT Daniels 4, Tyler Show 5, Blake Schappen 6, TCU's quarterbacks at 7, Martinez 8, Deckers 9, and Jalen Daniels coming in at number 10. Again, I don't really have anything against Jalen Daniels. I liked him when I watched him last year. He just plays for Kansas, so it's hard to think that he's going to have himself a year that pushes himself into the upper echelon, or at least like the top 7 a Big 12 quarterback series, though I do like him. I do like him. I just like to reiterate that I do like Jalen Daniels, even though he plays for Kansas. But I like Todd Reesing too. I did like Todd Reesing a lot. They got Jake Sharp. You had Kerry Meyer there as well. Desmond Briscoe was there. Like, yeah, a really good – that Kansas team was freaking awesome. I never would have uh, – you'll never see it again, Kansas and Missouri playing each other for a chance at the Big 12 championship for a chance to go to the national championship game. Kansas beat Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. It was freaking crazy that year. Mark Mangino, GOAT. Love that team so much. Love that team. But then I think they went to the Insight Bowl the next year, but Kansas. It's it's just Kansas. I feel bad for Jaden Daniel, Jalen Daniels, but that's just that's the the Hey. You go to Kansas, this is kind of what you expect now, isn't it? Sorry. Now, next comment. Again, I, I just want to say sorry to Kansas. 
I just want to say sorry to Kansas. I have enjoyed watching Kansas football. I know a lot of Iowa State fans hate Kansas basketball. You can't hate Kansas football. They're trying their hardest. They're one of the bigger schools with a track around their stadium, like a track around their field. you got to give them somewhat of a leeway here. They're stuck in the freaking 80s in regards to their stadium building. But that's neither here nor there. Let's move on. Since I guess, like Big Ten, Big 12, let's go to the ACC. ACC, I, I think there's five guys, six guys, you can make a solid argument for being number one. I think we're talking about conference, what do you call it? Conference, um, I don't know. When you're looking at the conference, you're looking at all the best quarterbacks in the conference. I think you can make an argument for six guys, possibly six guys, at being number one. And then there's solid arguments to be made from both. And in the ACC, we have got, I'm just going to go with one through six. Here's my rankings. You can rank them however you want. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Devin Leary from NC State. Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Bill Yurkovic from Boston College. Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. And Keaton Slovis from Pitt. I think that's the time. DJU. DJU Yagalele. I used to be able to say, I don't know why I'm struggling now. Yagalele at seven. You can make an argument for him too. But those are my top six. I think Van Dyke, Leary, and Cunningham are the best. That's why I have him at three. I think Cunningham, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think we could have a I think he could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. I do think he could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. I've said it about a thousand times here on the show. I like Malik Cunningham a lot. With his ability running the ball and his ability throwing it, I think Tyler Harrell losing him to Alabama will be big. But I think looking at the ACC, there's not really a top, top dog this year. Like Pitt was really good last year. Clemson will be better than what they were last year. You have to be. And I, I've said this before. Like Clemson felt like they were so much worse than what they were last year. And he went 10-3. and three. They felt so much worse than that. I don't know why. But the, like Malik Cunningham, I think, could have a really good year. I think he'd have a really good year for him. He had a good year last year. Hell, he had a really good year last year. I think now that people saw him have that really, really good year last year, I think that could get some people talking about him for Heisman, possibly. I think there's a lot of other quarterbacks we haven't really mentioned yet. We've mentioned one of them, but there's another one later that will be very much in the Heisman conversation. But Tyler Van Dyke, not not an amazing mover, but can move. And Devin Leary, I would like to say this because I realized this the other day. I accidentally said when we were going over the top 50 quarterbacks things, I said he was left-handed. He is not left-handed. NC State had a quarterback before Devin Leary that was left-handed. And for whatever reason, when I said Devin Leary, I was like, yeah, he's left-handed. And watch that I didn't even say that. What if it, watch that I didn't even say that I just thought it. Like, that'd be crazy if, that, if I never even said that and I just thought it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Devin Leary wasn't left-handed. They had a quarterback that was right before Devin Leary that was left-handed. And in my head when I was talking about it, I was like, yep, he's left-handed, even though he's not. I swear to God, I've watched <laughs> I've watched Devin Leary play. I swear to God. So it's not me just being like, oh, yeah, he's left-handed when he's not. No, I did have a reason for thinking that. I got the uh, – like, Brandon Armstrong's left-handed, Dylan Gabriel's left-handed. I know that. I just got mixed up because I had another quarterback's left-handed. Yurkovic's coming off an injury with his wrist or hand. I don't remember what exactly it is. He can move. Yurkovic last year, it was kind of – it was supposed to be a big year for Yurkovic. Because this was going to be – he had a good year the year before. He transferred from Notre Dame to Boston College. He had a good year the season before. And he was coming in with expectations of being potentially, given his size and ability, to be one of the top guys in the draft. Potentially. And then he hurt his wrist, I think, against UMass? I think that was who they played when they when he got hurt. And he played a little bit towards the end of the season, but it just wasn't the same as he was that what people were expecting at the start of the year. I feel like he'll be better this year. And this isn't off NFL potential. This is just off of strictly college play. And before you say this, 
Sam Hartman, where is he at? Sam Hartman's out for the year. So we don't have Sam Hartman in these rankings, the Wake, West, the Wake Forest quarterback. He's out for the season. Our extended period of time with a non-football-related medical condition. Extended period of time. So that could be the entire season. That could be five weeks. It could be whatever. But he's not on this for the start of the season rankings. So we got Mike Mitch Griffs from Wake Forest, and just so I don't, so I could just get this one out of the way, because Sam Hartman would have been top three or four in the ACC rankings. He is Mitch Griffs is last. Sorry, <laughs> that's just how it worked out. But I think, and then we got Keaton Slovis, who's who looked good last night. Who looked good last night? Better than what he looked at his time in the past few years at USC. I think that has to go down. Not a lot of people like. Oh, what was their head coach's name? Mike M- Helton, Todd Helton. Not, not Todd Helton. What was his name? What the hell was the coach at USC's name? Oh my god, I'm completely blanking right now. The guy that Lincoln Riley just replaced. They never liked him. At, whatever. They never liked him at USC. The boosters never liked this guy. I don't remember what his name is to save my life, but. Keen Slovis struggled. He had shoulder issues the entire time at USC, pretty much ever since the Holiday Bowl when they got shafted by Iowa. He never looked the same after that. I hope being at Pitt helps him rediscover his potential because I think he's a very good quarterback. He just needs to get that stability back. And I think based off what we've seen, if I was looking at freshman year, he could be number one on this list. But the fact is he's played two years since then and hasn't looked really good or anywhere close to what he did his freshman year. So I think we have to go at six. Brennan Armstrong at five. We've said this before. Brennan Armstrong is the entire Virginia Common, Virginia Cavaliers football team. He's the entire team. If Brennan Armstrong does not have a good game, Virginia is not winning. He runs the ball very well. He throws the ball very well. He wears like a running back face mask, which always makes him a little like interesting. He wears the Lamar Jackson face mask. You know the one. It's really weird to see quarterbacks wear the Bryce Young wears that face mask as well. Like you know what helmet I'm talking about? The two bars on the side. I always find it weird when quarterbacks wear helmets like that. It's just always interesting to me. I don't know why it's interesting, but I always find it somewhat interesting. And he's left-handed, so he already has to be interesting. But he is the entire Virginia Cavaliers team. But I think the top three guys, and I think even just the top two guys, Tyler Van Dyke's going to be one of the top picks in the draft. I don't think Devin Leary is, but Devin Leary will put up good numbers this year. He will put up good numbers. Emily Cunningham, similar story. I I think he'll put up really good numbers. I just don't think he'll be one of the top guys in the draft. Yurkovic, I think, can be one of the top guys in the draft. He could just stay healthy. Armstrong and Slovis, potentially. I don't think Armstrong, but Slovis has that potential to get there. DJU, he's, I mean, all the physical tools are there with DJU. He just had zero consistency last year. But I think losing all the players Clemson did going into the season, especially on offense, hurt them a lot. I think the full offseason with these guys, Justin Ross not being there is going to be big, but he hasn't really played in like three years. But And he's of the Chiefs now on IR. I think DJU will be better last this year than was last year, but I think just given what we've seen, I don't think I can really rank him higher than seventh. I I guess you could rank him higher than Slovis, but just personal opinion on that one. I, I have him at seven. Number eight, Jordan Travis from Florida State. Dude is talented. Dude is talented. And Florida State, just a very frustrating team. Very, very frustrating team. Like they have potential to be very not I'm not gonna say very, very good, but they have the potential to be decent. And they won forty seven seven against their first game of the season. Travis had a 207 yards, didn't run the ball particularly well. He had 11 yards, but he did get a touchdown. Jordan Travis is a very athletic quarterback, slender-ish quarterback, played well. And, I mean, he they really never just need consistency from Florida State. That's all he really needed. But he's been there for four years. This is his fifth year in college football. Played at Louisville the season, his first year of college football. Ran the ball well in his time at Florida State the past two seasons. Now being the, only, being the main guy for Florida State, no Mackenzie Milton there. I think will help him a lot. And I think number eight, Drake May. 
I think he's got to say in this as well. Drake May is going to replace. He's got a very big shoes to fill at, at North Carolina. I know he didn't play his greatest game last year, but he has some big shoes to fill. Drake May replacing Sam Howell. He had a very good game against Florida A&M, but it's Florida A&M. So you should have a good game. Five touchdowns passing. He had 55 yards rushing as well. He's a good quarterback. He's coming in. This is his first year as a starter. I, I saw some of his little bit of high school. He played a tiny, tiny bit last year. Tiny bit. Very minuscule amount of time. But from what I've seen of him in the past, not necessarily last year, but from the clips I've seen from him in high school, he looks like a very good quarterback. But I have him coming at number nine. He just doesn't have the experience. And he played. I know he played well week one, but again, he played Florida A&M. You should play well. Number 10, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. Uh, Jeff Sims was is like I think I hmm I gotta remember if I if I'm thinking of this right I think he was the first quarterback post triple option for Georgia Tech I think but again I could be very wrong about that but I think and they're playing Clemson week one so the problem is here he's not gonna have a good week one he's gonna have a terrible week one. And he played some. He played well for given Georgia Tech standards. Now, Georgia Tech is not a very good football team anymore. Like I remember when they went to the Orange Bowl and beat Baylor, they had a good team. That feels like ages ago, and to some some extent, it was. Like they went seven and five in twenty eighteen. Since then, they haven't won more than four games. They haven't won more than four freaking games since then like in this team they have they they can be good Justin Thomas was their quarterback a few years ago when they went to the Orange Bowl the dude was a baller in their triple option stuff he was an absolute baller and that was all the way back in freaking 24 what all the way back in 2014 that doesn't feel like it was that long ago good lord it was eight years ago Ah, I don't like that I really do not like that that was eight years ago I really do not like that but Jeff Sims Georgia Tech's just a bad team. I feel bad. He's got the talent to be a good quarterback, but they're just going to get obliterated week one. They're going to get pushed aside the entire time in the ACC. I, I hate, I'm glad that they got Clemson first, but then they got Ole Miss in week three. They got Pitt in week five. Like Then they've got Miami. They've got Georgia. Like They're going to get blasted in a lot of games this year, and Jeff Sims' numbers aren't going to look very good. But I have to come in at 10. I think Garrett Schrader, who I have at 11, could push for number 10. He did play well. During portions last year, but it's a similar like Syracuse is not very good. There's not a very good football team. I know the Carrier Dome is a somewhat tough place to play at times. I know they did all these renovations to it, but it's still Syracuse. It's they they have they're a very they're they're like Nebraska to a certain extent. They're a bad team, but they'll somehow manage to get some close games. Like you look at some of their games last year, lost by three to Florida State. Three to Wake Forest and three to Clemson. Back to back to back weeks. That's three straight weeks. If they win those three games, you're looking at a Syracuse team that before <laughs> before November 13th, when they lost 30, 41 to 3 to Louisville, you're looking at Florida State or a, a Syracuse team that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight and one going into Louisville game. Eight and one going to Louisville game. And those games, well, they were very close apart from the game against Clemson. Garrett Schrader led the team in rushing. Garrett Schrader can run the ball. He had 137 yards against Florida State, 178 against Wake Forest. The first time we really saw him last year, we saw some action against Albany, but he played a lot against Liberty. I watched the Liberty game because I was a Malik Willis game, and Malik Willis did not play his best game there. They have Sean Tucker at running back, who's a very good running back, which will take a lot of the pressure off Garrett Schrader. But I have Garrett Schrader coming in at number 11. 
At number 11, I could make an you could make a solid argument to push him up one more spot just because of his running ability. He had 781 yards last year and 14 touchdowns. You know what? I think I might. I might move him above Jeff Sims. It's close, though. Next, we got Grant Wells. He transferred from Marshall. Nothing really great. Riley Leonard, Duke, like and Mitch Chris. There's not really a lot to say about those final three. There's really not a lot to say at this point. Like Virginia Tech, uh, they had, what was it, Bo Meester at quarterback a few years ago. They're just they're, – they're – there's not the same team that they have been. They're fine. They're a tough team to play. They're a very tough team to play. They play Old Dominion, who beat <laughs> who beat Virginia Tech a few years ago at Old Dominion. And guess what? They're going to Old Dominion again. They're going to the 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 what do you want to call it? The gauntlet known as Old Dominion. The scariest place to play in all of college football. When was that? When did they beat them? Yeah, in twenty in twenty eighteen. 2018, <laughs> Old Dominion beat him 49 to 35. Then Virginia Tech got their revenge the year after, beat him 31 17. Now we've got the grudge match, the trilogy fight, the trilogy on ESPNU of all places, the best channel for that game <laughs> at Old Dominion. I expect Virginia Tech to win. I expect Virginia Tech to win. Braxton Burmeister is at San Diego State now. He's at he had somewhat a decent year at Virginia Tech, 14 touchdowns, four picks. This is his third third time trans, second time transferring. Transferred from Oregon to Virginia Tech. Now he went to San Diego State. Now we've got – crap, I already forgot his name. <laughs> Grant Wells, who, again, was at Marshall. A Conference USA team put up decent numbers through, through for a decent amount of yards. 16 touchdowns, 13 picks is not great. But he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I just I, I just come later. And then Riley Leonard, he didn't really do a lot last year. He's not really that amazing. We just have to come in there. And, Riley, and Mitch Griff's just – I don't think he's ever – he's played maybe one game. I don't remember how many games Mitch Griffiths has played. It hasn't been a lot, but he's not Sam Hartman, so he comes in at 14. Now we go down to the Pac-12 and SEC. So Pac-12, I think it's pretty standard, the first two. I think it's Caleb Williams and Cam Rising from Utah. I think when you look at Cam Rising, you saw what offense their offense looked like when he got implemented versus when he wasn't. Similar thing to Hen and Hooker, but we'll get to him in a little bit. Their offense looks so much better. Like, watch them in the Rose Bowl. It was freaking awesome. I'm going to go a little bit faster here because these are taking a little bit longer than what I was anticipating. And I've got something else I want to do as well, but Cam Rising at two. I have DTR at three. I like Dorian Thompson-Robinson quite a bit. If you listen to the show before, you know how much I like DTR. He does a lot for UCLA. He does a lot for him. I don't know where he's going to be ranking for quarterbacks in the draft. Like There was question marks on if he was going to come back this year, and he did end up coming back. Talent-wise, up there with some of the best in college football. So I have him coming in at three. Inconsistent in the passing game, great in the run game. Needs to figure out some things in the past game. But when he's been under Chip Kelly, there's been constant improvement in his time at UCLA, both with him and the team in general. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. Then we got Tanner McKee at four, like we've talked about before. Nothing really special in regards to athletic ability. But he's got all the, the marks you're looking for. He's got a decently strong arm. He's got the size. And he plays for Stanford. And when you play for a team like Stanford, David Shaw, very well versed in the NFL in regards to respect around the league. People like him. People like the players from him. Even though their numbers statistically and their win totals are not amazing, he does put forth some good NFL prospects. And Tanner McKee, not playing with a lot of great NFL players in his time at Stanford so far, but they beat Oregon last year, which is pretty fun. But after Oregon, they just went downhill like crazy. Downhill like freaking crazy. He can't really move that well, but he does have talent in regards to throwing the football. Number five, Cam Ward. Washington State transfer incarnate word. I like Cam Ward. He's got an interesting throwing motion. But he put up great numbers in Carnet Ward. They're a very heavy pass-first unit at the FCS level. 
I'm excited to see what he does in the FBS level. And then Washington State, their old quarterback from last year, Dane DeLura, transferred to Arizona. So Cameron Ward transferred to Washington State. Jaden De La transferred to Arizona. Arizona stinks. They have stunk. Jalen De La Jaden De Laura is a good quarterback. He put up good numbers in his time at Washington State. I mean, that's usually what happens when you're at Washington State. The offense is number one. Offense is king at Washington State, which is why I'm really excited to see what Cameron Ward does. So I'm really excited to see what he does there. But that's all potential. I hope he does really, really well because I think he can. Arizona, they're playing San Diego State week one. They had Will Plummer at quarterback last year. Did absolutely nothing. Jay DeLura, nothing big in regards to size. Six foot, 205 pounds. But had 23 touchdowns, nine picks last year. Not a great runner. Not necessarily asked to run the ball that often while at Arizona or at Washington State. Did only average 1.7 yards per attempt. But he can't be much worse than Will Plummer. I'm excited to see what he does in a new offense down there in the South. Then we got Bo Nix at Oregon. I'm not a massive Bo Nix fan. I know a lot of people in the SEC that are fans of the SEC aren't massive fans of Bo Nix. Got beat up by TJ Finley for the starting job. Zach Calzada transferred from Texas A&M to, to, or, to Auburn. So Bo Nix went up north to the Pacific Northwest, went to Oregon, replacing Anthony Brown, placing Tyler Shows there the season before, transferred to Texas Tech. Anthony Brown now gone. See how Bo Nix does. He doesn't have Mario Cristobal. Or Georgia's defensive coordinator is so the head coach of Oregon. I don't know how big of a blow that will be for Bo Nix in his development, but he is decent. And I contemplated putting number eight above him, Emory Jones. I do think Emory Jones is, you know what? I might put Emory Jones above him. I'm putting Emory Jones at seven. I'm moving Bo Nix down one spot. Bite me. I'm going Bo Nix to eight, Emory Jones seven. Emory Jones, very athletic. Very, very athletic. There's games last year, though. Like I brought this game up quite a bit, the USF game. Florida dominated the game. But Emory Jones threw some horrific interceptions that game. And if Anthony Richardson didn't get hurt, Emory Jones might not see the field the rest of the year, at least as a main guy as a starting quarterback for Florida, which is why he transferred to Arizona. You can see the writing on the wall, transfer to Arizona. Now, they had a decent quarterback last year in Jane Daniels who transferred to LSU. We'll talk about Jane Daniels here in a little bit, who also had some inconsistencies in regards to the pass game. Emory Jones is a little bit bigger than Jane Daniels, so that might help him out a little bit more, but I... I like Jay, I like Emory Jones. I like Jane Daniels as well, but I like Emory Jones. I think he'll do well at Arizona State. Then the final ones, we got Chance Nolan at Oregon State, one of the few non-transfers in the, the Pac-12. Like You look at the Pac-12 quarterback thing. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 12 quarterbacks have transferred. Not necessarily all from outside the Big 12 or the, the Pac-12. Like we said, Jane DeLura transferred from Washington State to Arizona in conference transfer. But Chance Nolan like Rising, like Robinson, like McKee, as one of the few that has not transferred in the conference. Which, you know what? That's commendable. That's commendable. And I know Oregon State, if I'm remembering right, I could be completely wrong about this. I believe Oregon State was a competitive team at Portions last season. Am I right in saying that? Let's go to the schedule. Yeah, okay. They were competitive. They were a competitive football team. They started off the season really well and then lost three games out of their next four. And then... Yeah, so they kind of fizzled out towards the end of the season. But they played well. They played well for most of the season last year. And Chance Nolan, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks last year. Yeah, just an all right quarterback. All right. Like, Arizona, they're, Oregon State's competitive. I'll give them credit for that. They lost to Purdue week one, and we'll get to another an ex-Purdue quarterback here in a little bit. But we got two, We got another Big Ten quarterback to go before the ex-Purdue quarterback. We got Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. was bad last year. He was horrific last year. 
coming off a torn ACL, didn't or busted up knee. I don't remember if it was a torn ACL or not. Busted up knee. Looked like he never stepped foot on it ever. Like when he played against Iowa, week one. I remember there was a lot of Iowa fans that were actually nervous going into that game. I remember talking to Iowa fans before the game it was like, "We're going to be one and one. I think we'll either lose to Indiana and beat Iowa State, or lose to beat Indiana or lose to Iowa State." Like Indiana, they were. I think they were the nineteenth or twentieth ranked team in the country. And they looked like they were player, barely an FC lower level FCS team, let alone a top twenty team in the FBS level, one of the dark horses for the Big Ten. Penix stunk. I think he threw four touchdowns, seven picks last year. He's a lefty, and I think with Washington, we'll see how he does. Washington last season defensively, they're pretty fun. Past defense, they had the two best corners in the college football in regards to a tandem in Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie, best tandem in college football. You can make a solid argument for Stingley and Ricks, but neither one of them were healthy last year, so it's kind of hard to say that. But the past defense was awesome. Offense was a mess. They do have Jackson Kirkland on the offensive line, which will help Penix out a lot, which is something he didn't really have in Indiana. So I expect him to be better than what he was last year, but it's not much. It's not hard to be better than what he was four touchdowns, seven picks. Jack Plummer, transfer from, from Purdue. So out, we have back-to-back ex-Big Ten quarterbacks. Jack Plummer put up decent numbers at times at Purdue, but just wasn't as good as Aiden O'Connell. I believe he started the season last year when Iowa, when they beat Iowa, or not, that was two years ago when they beat Iowa on the first game. They beat Iowa last year. I am well aware of that, but not as, you know, the first game of the season two years ago. I think Jack Plummer started that game. I don't remember how many yards Jack Plummer put up in his time at Purdue. It wasn't like anything amazing. Because Aiden O'Connell, like we said, I think Aiden O'Connell's better. I think a lot of people agree with me if I said Aiden O'Connell's better quarterback than Jack Plummer. Jack Plummer had seven touchdowns, no picks last year. I think he was about a two-year starter during his time at Purdue. Now transferred to Cal. Cal and Chase Garbers. Him and Chase Garbers are a little bit different in quarterbacks. Chase Garbers is a running, basically a run-first quarterback. Very physical runner. Or a good runner of the football. Maybe not necessarily the most physical, but can be physical in the run game, I guess is the best way I could put that. Jack Plummer's not really a runner. So we'll see how they tr- transition their offense around Jack Plummer and his lack of running ability. We'll see. He comes in 11, and then Brandon Lewis at Colorado. I mean, someone had to. It's basically like, it's like the Big 12. It's like the ACC. Someone's got to come last. And typically the worst team in the conference, their quarterback will be the worst rated quarterback in the conference. It's just typically how it works out. And then finally, the SEC. Again, I don't really think there's a lot of question marks in regards to the SEC quarterback situation, but there could be people that view it differently than I do. Like I could really, if I wanted to, which I probably will, we'll just go with like one through fourteen and just be perfectly content with that, and not really need to explain because I don't really think this needs explaining all that much. Like okay, so Bryce Young won won the Heisman, one of the favorites to win it again, could be the second ever two time Heisman winner next to Archie Griffin. We got Will Levis at Kentucky, yeah, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, who I think could be ranked higher because I think Hendon Hooker is really good. Rattler at at five. Then I could rotate six and seven rounds. Will Rogers from Mississippi State and KJ Jefferson at seven at Arkansas. Then Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Jane Daniels at LSU at nine. I don't know if he's been named the starter or not, but I would assume he's been named the starter. Haynes King from Texas A&M battled some injuries last year. Didn't really play that much. Zach Calzada was in most of it. And then uh, who was the other quarterback? There's one more, but I don't remember who it was. And then Brennan, da- um, uh, what's it? Brennan, 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 Brennan. I don't remember his Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan just announced he's retired from football. He was going to be one of the guys expected to challenge for the quarterback spot this year with Jaden Daniels. And he has announced his 
immediate and effective, effective immediately retirement from college football, which did surprise some people. But hey, I can't fault him for that. I retired from college football as well. Different levels, yes, but I retired from football nonetheless. But with Miles Brennan retiring, I think that basically just handed Jaden Daniels a starting job. I could be wrong, but Jaden Daniels was better than Miles Brennan anyway. So I'd have him at number nine. Haynes King ten. Jackson Dart transferred from Ole Miss. Will have or from USC transferred to Ole Miss. Have him at eleven. Number twelve, TJ Finley at Auburn. Zach Calzado was battling him for the starting job. TJ Daniels won it. And I believe JT TJ Finley got arrested. I feel like he did. Can I, am I wrong in saying that? Arrested. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. On August 4th, a text, a, attempted to elude police following traffic violations. So, yeah. Got him at 12. Brady Cook and Mike Wright coming up in the rear from Missouri and Vanderbilt. Mike Wright had a good week one. He had a very good week one against Hawaii. Looked really good. But I once we get to the full season, he probably will find himself close to the bottom. I think him, Brady Cook, TJ Finley will find themselves on the bottom there. But the SEC has got a good group of quarterbacks. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the SEC. I think we're talking about depth of the quarterback position. I think the SEC's got the best. Like, I think the I think the ACC's got something to say about that as well. But, like, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Richardson, Hooker, Rattler, Rodgers, Jefferson, Setson, Bennett, guy who just won the national championships coming in at number eight. He just doesn't do anything that special to me. I'm sorry. But, yeah, that's the SEC rankings again. I don't really think I need to explain that that much. I think Rodgers and Jefferson could rotate. I think what Jefferson does that Rodgers isn't, Ro- Jefferson is a really physical runner. Jefferson is a freaking monster. But Will Rogers is a very precise passer, which is something that Jefferson really isn't. And I think that comes with the fact that he plays under Mike Leach. Mike Leach is going to put a lot of emphasis on the pass game. Whereas, oh crap, Sam Pittman. I'm completely blanking on, wow. My brain's not really working today. My brain was kind of fried from (laughs) trying to figure out my, yeah, Sam Pittman. But KJ Jefferson, really talented runner. I'm intrigued to see how he does without Jaylen, or with Traylon Burks not being there. But Jefferson led the team in rushing last year. Like I could put him at number six and Will Rogers at seven and be fine with it. I think that's pretty much six, seven, six A, six B, kind of. But I think number one, one through five, I think is pretty much locked up. I don't think you're breaking any anybody into there, really. And the same similar thing with Anthony Richardson as it was with Quinn Ewers, but less so with Ed Richardson because we've seen him play in college football. This dude's a baller. The dude, the dude can flat out ball. So I really have no question marks going into the season about Richardson and his skill level. We just need to see if he puts it all together. Okay, there's a good quarterbacks in the SEC though, but I think he is the third and possibly second best quarterback in the SEC. So there are my quarterback rankings for this upcoming season. So I just real quick, we'll go over those again. The ACC's Tyler Van Dyke, Devin Leary, Malik Cunningham, Phil Yurkovic, Brennan Armstrong, Keaton Slovis, DJ Uyagalele. Jordan Travis, Derek Drake May, Jeff Sims, Garrett Strader, Grant Wells, Riley Leonard, and Mitch Griffs. Big 12 is Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Sanders, Quinn Ewers, JT Daniels, Tyler Show, Blake Schappen, Max Duggan slash Chandler Morris, Adrian Martinez, Hunter Deckers, and Jalen Daniels. Big 10, CJ Stroud, Aiden O'Connell, Tualia Tagaviola, Peyton Thorne, Michigan quarterback, Sean Clifford, Casey Thompson, Tanner Morgan, Connor Bazalik, Graham Mertz, Spencer Petrus, Ryan Helinski, Tommy DeVito, and Noah Vedrill. Pac-12 is Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Tanner McKee, Cam Ward, Jalen DeLura, Jaden DeLura, sorry, Emery Jones, Bo Nix, Chance Nolan, Michael Penix Jr., Jack Plummer, and Brendan Lewis. And then the SEC is Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hennon Hooker, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Spencer Rattler, Will Rogers, KJ Jefferson, Stetson Bennett, 
Jaden Daniels, Haynes King, Jackson Dart, TJ Finley, Brady Cook, and Mike Wright, who, again, Mike Wright could feel hard done by because he played really well against Hawaii, but that's just how we have it right now. Always, all as always, that is subject to change. Do not get mad if your player is not ranked where you think he should be ranked. That's just how I see it at this moment in time, The same the, as we start officially the college football season. All right, so now with that little tidbit out of the way, I, I, love, I love college football. I'm so I know we don't talk about it as much during the offseason as we do as the NFL. I'm sorry about that. I know being from the state of Iowa, we got to talk about college football, and I love college football. I love watching it. I love talking about it. I love doing everything around college football. But the NFL just gets more it's got more talking points. But we got we're not going to go back into the NFL today where it's a strictly college football since fantasy draft stuff. Strictly college football. So I found this thing on Sporkle. It's not really a quiz. It's kind of a quiz, but not really a quiz at the same time. All FBS college football teams. Now, I should be able to get the big conferences easy. Easily. I got 12 minutes to name 131 teams. Now, I'm going to get the big ones fairly quick. I want to see if I can get this done in six minutes. I hope I can get it done in six minutes. I don't know if I can. I'm going to try. I'm not, as always. I promise, pinky promise, hand on the Bible, hand on heart, whatever you want. I will not look at any schools in college football. I will not look up any. Maybe for spelling, because I think that's important. Because <laughs> there's times I probably won't be able to spell it. And I want to start off with a fun one, because it's the first one that popped in my head for whatever reason. So we're starting the quiz in three, two, one. Appalachian State. <laughs> Appalachian State. The, the anniversary of them beating Michigan just popped up on my Twitter feed. I think it was today or yesterday. I can't remember. But now let's go... Let's go to the convo. Go Florida, Florida State. I didn't spell Florida right, so that'd be that'd be kind of key. Uh, Boston College is a big one that we got a name there. Clemson, Miami, Miami of Ohio is going to be in there as well. Pitt, West Virginia, Country Roads. Take where the oh, I for some reason I was thinking they were in the ACC, but I, that was just me thinking of the the old school Big East. Then we got Louisville. Louisville. Then we've got Duke. We got Wake Forest. One one R. Oh God, this is a lot harder when you're trying to think of it on the spot now. What other teams am I? Okay, well Kentucky. We'll just go with them. We got Georgia. We got Alabama. We've got we already got Florida. We got Vanderbilt. We got LSU. We have got the ACC is bothering me now. We got NC State. We got North Carolina. Obviously, we got NC State, North Carolina. Now we've got. Wow, I'm completely blanking right now. Let's just go through the quarterback. Virginia, Virginia Tech. <laughs> Virginia Tech. Isn't it weird that North Carolina and NC State are in different parts of the conference? I don't know if Virginia and Virginia Tech are, but I feel like if you're in the same state, you should be in the same part of the conference if you're not in the same conference. Now we've got. So I've went through all my. We got Miami. We got Louisville, we got NC State, we got Boston College, we've got North Carolina and NC State. Who am I forgetting? I'm forgot I'm forgetting some big Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Okay, we got the ACC down on the way, out of the way. Big Ten, we got Ohio State. We got also got Ohio, just the normal Ohio. We got Iowa. We got Michigan. We got Michigan State. We've got Minnesota. We've got Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We got Nebraska. We got Northwestern. We've got Illinois. We've got Indiana. We got Purdue. 
Which are Purdue and Indiana? The Purdue and Indiana are different sides of the conference. I just didn't even think about that. We got Rutgers. <laughs> Famously, we got Maryland. Then we've got one more that I'm completely blanking on. It'd be funny if it was Iowa or Nebraska. I got Wisconsin. I got Ohio State. We got Michigan. We got Michigan Penn State. Now, Southeastern Conference. We got a bunch of teams in there already. We've got, oh, God, Mississippi. S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. State. We've got Missouri. You know, when you think of Big 12 football, SEC football, you think of Missouri. we got Texas A&M. we got also Texas. Might as well put Texas Tech in there as well. Texas A&M. Then we've got Arkansas. Western. Who else is in the West? I forget. Who else is in the East? I got LSU, Georgia, Florida. What other schools am I forgetting about in the SEC? Oklahoma, Texas. <laughs> might as well put Oklahoma in. I've already, I've already talked about Oklahoma, so might as well put them in. Oklahoma State. Okay, I already put them in. Okay, we're not getting this in six minutes. Good freaking lord. I'm at 825 right now, and I can barely think of any SEC teams. Wow, why am I blanking so hard? I just go through the quarterback rankings again. Like what Auburn? Did I name them already? I did not. Um LSU, we already got them. Okay, so Bryce Young's Alabama. Will Levis is Kentucky. Florida. Tennessee. Tennessee. Then Hendon Hooker was there. Then we had South Carolina. Okay, we got the SEC out of the way. SEC is done. Conference USA. or I guess Memphis isn't in Conference USA. Well, Marshall. We know they're in Conference USA. No, they're not. Where the hell are Marshall at? Marshall or Sunbelt now. Did not know that. So we got Louisiana. We got Liberty. We got Navy. We got Army. We got Air Force. Might as well hit the military schools. We got Boise State. We got the Mountain West. So we're going Utah. Utah State. We've got Nevada. We've got San Diego State. We've got San Jose State. We've got Colorado. We've got Colorado State. We've got... Idaho's not in there anymore. Notre Dame. Can't forget about them. Pac-12. Okay, Pac-12. UCLA. Stanford. Oregon. Oregon State. We already got Colorado. We already got Utah. Arizona. Arizona State. Then we've got Washington. Washington State. Then one more Pac-12 school that I'm forgetting about. Cal. We got Cal Berkeley is what they're... They got them rating. Okay, we got all the power schools apart from the Big 12. So we got Iowa State. We can try and get this in six minutes. Uh, Kansas. Kansas State. Uh... I got 26 seconds to try and get all the Power Five schools, and I can't think of two of them. I already got Kansas, Iowa State. What other schools are there in the Big 12? TCU. Which one would start off the alphabet in the Big 12? I'm forgetting about someone big, aren't I? Iowa. So we quarterback rankings. We just go through these: Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We already got those two. Texas, West Virginia. Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. So we just got it under. We got 658 on that one. But uh, independent schools, BYU, they're independent. New Mexico, they're somewhere. New Mexico State's independent. One of those schools is independent. Yeah, New Mexico State is. Uh, UAB, 
They have a football program again, which is nice. We got our first conference. So we got a team in every conference. We got 85 out of 131. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Got to spell it right. Got to spell it right. Houston. Tulane. Oh, uh, crap. Um, There's got to be somewhere else. It's like Lafayette. Uh, who else is UTEP, UTEP, Coastal, Coastal Carolina. They're in the Sun Belt. I know that one. I know Liberty is joining the Sun Belt. Mac, oh, we could get the Mac schools. We should be able to. Akron, Miami, we've already got Miami of Ohio. we got Kent State. We have got some Maction. So we wa- I watch Buffalo every once in a while. I think we should be able to get to 100, right? I would hope so. Knock on wood. We're at 93. We've got four minutes and 42 seconds left. Uh, crap. At least we got the power schools. If I didn't get a power, con- if I didn't get the power conferences, a power five conferences, I would have been very, very upset. I got four minutes and 28 seconds left. Wow, I'm completely blanking. When you have a timer on it, it makes things extremely hard. But I got 93 at a 131 so far. I should be able to get 100. I should be able to crap out seven more. How am I How am I struggling this much? UTSA, Texas San Antonio, they're in the US Conference USA. Oh, no. Mountain West is something I'm really upset about that I'm not getting. That's, that's one that I'm upset. AAC, AAC I'm also kind of upset about. Oh, my God. What the... Hawaii, Idaho's not in there anymore. Who else is in in the Mountain West? Who else is in the Mountain West? Idaho's not. So we go down. We're in BYU. They're not. Utah State. Utah's not. Colorado. Colorado State. Where you got them? Oh, no. Call, um, UNLV. UNLV. Then we've got, because we got Nevada. We'll go to New Mexico. We've already got New Mexico in there. Arizona, is there any team in Arizona? California, San Diego, we already got San Diego State. We got San Jose State, Hawaii. I need four more teams to get to 100. We got 309 left. Oh, no. I got two Mountain West teams to name, and I can't think of them to save my life. What is after U and what is before H in the alphabet? (laughs) Because those are the two schools we're looking for. A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V. No, W. So it's W or V, and I can't think of either one of them. It's not any team in Washington. I'm going to hate myself. Um, I already do. Mac, two minutes, 30 seconds left, and I can't think of four more schools. I, I just want to get to 100. If I get to 100, I'll be content with this list. If I'm stuck at 96, I'll be pissed. UCF. We did not get UCF. Central Florida. Um, USF. South Florida. Um, So we got two more schools to get. Two minutes left. So we got two schools to get in two minutes. A minute per school. This is this is hard. This is really hard. It's not it's not hard, but I am struggling like f- 
freaking crazy. Western Kentucky, they're, they're on there. Um, okay, one more school. We did that in 24 seconds. Um, Mac. Mac is pissing me off. What other schools are there in the Mac? Um, any schools in Illinois? Ball State. I don't know where they are, but they're in there. <laughs> so we got 100. We got 100. Keep going around that little area. So we got Ball State. Is there any other team in New York in the MAC? We got uh, Western Michigan. We got Central Michigan. <laughs> we got Eastern Michigan. And then now we're stuck again. But we got 103 and 52 seconds left. So we're I'm more content now than what I was before. But I would love to get these two last Mountain West schools. That, that's what I would like to do. Um, because I do watch the Mountain West actually quite a decent amount, even though they're on at nine thirty every night. Um, twenty nine seconds left. I'm trying to come up with two more Mountain West schools, or just two schools in general. But my brain is not working. I would love to get to one hundred five, but I don't think I am. Five seconds. Three, two, one, done. So we got 103 out of 131. We are above average. I don't like that the average score is 75. That makes 75%. That makes me feel stupid. I always like to be spread. Wyoming? I have a Wyoming jersey next to me. How did I not get Wyoming? That pit, I looked at the jersey. I have a white Josh Allen Wyoming jersey, and I didn't get Wyoming. Oh my god, that one pissed. That one's frustrating. UConn, okay, yeah, I kind of forgot they were independent, but yeah. Sometimes forget they're in <laughs> FBSD. Texas State. I have history with Texas State. Remember in NCAA football 20, I think it was 2013 with uh, RG3 and Barry Sanders on the cover? You could be a Heisman winner and go back to school. I put RG3 on Texas State. Me and my friend Noah did it. And Noah, we just scrolled through and Noah chose Texas State and we won a natty. It was beautiful. So I don't know how I forgot them. Old Dominion, we made fun of them earlier for beating... I forgot James... I was going to guess James Madison because they just moved up. But I was like, ah, I don't think they've moved up yet. That's one, Okay, James Madison, I'm pissed off because that one ran through my head. Wyoming's pissed me off a lot. I should have got way more of these schools. I should, I should. My brain just completely shut off. I don't know why. So I got 103 out of 131. I should have definitely got more. I should have definitely gotten more. There's a lot of teams here that I could just completely blanked. Wyoming, that one's the most frustrating by far. By far the most frustrating. But yeah, 103 out of 131. I got 79% right. 75% is the average score. This is the first time I've been within 5 or even 10 of the average score to my knowledge. I usually blow the average score out of the water. Good Lord. And we did not there. We did not blow it out of the water. That was very, 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 very disappointing. Very disappointing. Now, I guess the only way I like the only way I want to end this show is talking about like the college football playoff. We're going to make the preseason pre-week one predictions for the college football playoff. So it's kind of like top five Friday, but we're going to call it top four Friday because we only got four teams in the college football playoff. So I think there's one that's obvious. That's Alabama. This is just 
not necessarily in the order in which they're going to finish. Number two is Ohio State. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten is touching Ohio State this year. I think any. I think this schedule, this schedule, this season is set up for Ohio State and Alabama to meet in the national championship game. That's what I think. I don't think either one of them will real, realistically lose a game throughout the season. And they're both number one and two to start the season. I don't think either one of them will lose a game. Number three, the next team on here, I mean, it's kind of hard not to say Georgia. Just because I know they lost a lot of people. Lost a lot of people on defense, but they're bringing a lot of people back too. Like, this is Georgia. We've talked about this with Alabama before. This ain't no, like, small school. You got five stars backing up five stars. Like, you've got play. They've got players. Yeah, sure, they lost, like, Zamir White. They lost James Cook. They lost George Pickens. They lost Trayvon Walker. They lost Devontae White. They lost Jordan Davis. N'Kobe Dean. Quay Walker. They lost Channing Tindall. They lost all these different pieces. But guess what? They're going to be right back up there again, I would imagine. So I have them at three. If not them, that like we could just go a little bit different here. I think outside of them, Dark Horse USC, because I feel like with Lincoln Riley coming in, their offense could be fun. I know there could be that that year where they have to figure it out. So I think USC could definitely be mentioned up there. We have Alabama, Ohio State, and USC all in the top five, top four in the end of the season. And then the last spot, is there anybody outside of the top twenty five right now that I think could make the playoff? Not really. Not really looking at the, the the receiving votes category. But if I had to go dark, or Utah would be a, a fun one. Utah defensively will always be very strong. They're a very consistent program. Again, Cam Rising coming in as a starter has made them look a lot better. Is there anybody? But I like I like USC just because of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and all the guys they brought in. Jordan Addison's there as well. But who would be my fourth team? So I, I want to go different conferences. Georgia would be up there. But I want to go different conferences. So we got Alabama, Ohio State, USC, and another conference. I don't want to say Clemson because I. But that be that feels like the obvious one, doesn't it? I don't know what other people are saying about the playoff. I know I've seen some like people say Pitt in the college football playoff quite a bit. That's been a very popular one, very popular dark horse pick. Very dark horse pit, if I do say so myself. Utah's been mentioned up there. I don't know. This season's hard. I can guarantee, almost guarantee Alabama and Ohio State. Almost guarantee. I find it extremely hard to believe that those two schools will not make the playoff. Just given how the town, like, Bama's so much better than everybody in general, and then... Ohio State's just head and shoulders above everybody in the Big Ten. Like, they're not even close. The Pac-12 is pretty open. I do like Utah. I do like Utah. Oregon will be interesting without Crystal Ball. We got into Georgia guy, though, so that should help them out a lot. I do like Pitt. I do like Pitt. I don't want to say I don't like Pitt. Alabama, Ohio State, USC, and... Crap, Georgia. I, I I don't know. I don't have anything better than that. Like my brain is just not working. I I tried to get 131 college football teams. I couldn't. I couldn't name 105 of them. So my brain is not really working. Well, let's look at college football playoff predictions. Let's just see what other people are saying. You know what? Might as well. Might as well. College football playoff predictions. This is from Sports Illustrated. 
Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. Bama, USC, Clemson, Ohio State. Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, USC. Okay, there's mine. John Garcia, we agree with each other. At least that is right now. I don't know who John Garcia is, but this is from CBS Sports. Their experts predict who's making the playoff. Most overrated team, A&M and Notre Dame. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's no, they're always overrated. Then we've got, okay, so these guys will said Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, Ohio State. Okay, I'm not even going to say Alabama, Ohio State. Everybody's got them. Georgia, Michigan, Georgia, Clemson, Clemson, Utah, Georgia, Utah, Clemson, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Georgia, Oklahoma. Yeah, I think US, do USC, you know, Utah play in the regular season at all? So that'll be fun. Be a fun game. They do. On October 15th. Ooh, that should be fun. It's in Utah, too. Okay. Based on it being in Utah, I like Utah's chances more than USC's. Just because that game's in Utah, and that's an extremely tough place to play, especially at night. So, if that game's at night, which I would imagine it would be. But one of those two schools, I think. But Georgia, I think we're going to have to put Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and USC or Utah. I think that's my prediction at this point. So, there's my top four Friday. We mentioned some other teams in there for the make it around a top five, but that's what we've got for you. So I hope you enjoyed this Saturday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. If you did not enjoy it, I greatly apologize. I'm really excited to see how Iowa State, Iowa, and you and I do this season. We've got to go big for the state of Iowa schools. We've got William Penn in there as well. we got Drake. We don't care about Granby, but all the other cool schools in the state of Iowa. Fun to see. I know William Penn lost last week to Benedictine, but they'll bounce back this week. No doubt in my mind against Baker. Probably not, but you know what? You can always dream. You can always dream. I hope to see you and I perform well against Air Force. It's going to be a tough task, but I hope they can do it. Iowa against South Dakota State. Iowa State against SEMO. Just don't overlook your opponents. And I know neither one of them will look that great week one, but that's just how they typically look anyways. So that's all I've got for you today. Leave a rating out of five stars on how you felt about the show. Make sure you are following and subscribed on both of them. Make sure you're following all the Logan Blackman shows on different forms of social media as well. And I will see you all later. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy college football. and. Peace.